I am the Princess Leia who looks just like Jonathan Winters. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began. And Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's Kivecast. That Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Steven B. Dem. B-Wing fighters and B-Wing pilot action, B-Wing pilot action, B-Wing pilot action, B-Wing pilot action, Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fantastic Pete. Tech support by the low The Archivist, Tommy Garvey, and the Holy Ghost, Ron Salvatore. Join us this month as guest editors of the Kivecast. They help us discuss the so-called most useless figure ever, Asian security guard. Talk about Northern Renaissance wood carving. Tommy gives us a lesson on Raskvi. Ron tells us of a trip to Kenner Sculptor's Place. We have an unloved sign of completely unknown origin. We talk about a production nugget. And we have the return of Kenner Commercial Theater, plus Sky Coos, Gen Coos, an interview with Mike Ritter about Rancho Obi-Wan, and an announcement that will change the Kivecast forever. Wampa Wampa, Space Freaks! Welcome to Kivecast 45. The, the long-awaited Kivecast 45, Steve. Yeah, yeah, we've been uh, on a little bit of a hiatus, but um, man, I'm just stoked to be back doing this. It's great. Yeah, I'm recording right now about 80 feet from the Erie Canal, Steve. Oh, man. Where <laughs> where are you exactly? <laughs> well, I'm in, my, I'm in my office. So oh, all right. It's gotcha. actually really close to the Erie Canal. Okay. Um, but yes, I'm recording from the remote studio, which I did not have to break into this time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, this is this is really exciting, and we actually so basically we missed one month, Steve, uh, right, in the middle of all that. But we are going to have a bonus episode that is so exciting, is so <laughs> mind blowing, is by far the most important news you've ever heard in the history of the Kivecast Vintage Pod, uh, and we'll be telling <laughs> you about that right after the news. Well, I don't know, a little bit later. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, basically for all you space freaks, if you remember a couple of months ago, I-, I was all cheery and optimistic about uh, avoiding uh, avoiding divorce. Um, I am no longer uh, suffering under that optimism, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's going through. Um, yeah. So that it's sucks, been... man. Oh, don't worry, Homer. You know me, and I'm a superstar at the Cracker Factory. Well, it's weird, you know, because um, people wind up being a lot nicer to you. And you wind up having a lot more free time. Yeah. Um, so actually, I've had more time to record the show than I normally would. Um, right. But if, like all my friends here are like, hey, man, you shouldn't be alone. Come hang out. So it's been this kind of weird thing um, where yeah. I just sort of have a lot of time, but just not a lot of like mental energy. Yeah, no, that's that's totally understandable. But actually, see, there's good news for the show and all this. Yeah. Um, that is that you know every show needs a heartthrob. <laughs> and when you started seeing your lady friend... She's not my special lady. She's my lady friend. I'm just helping her conceive, man. Um, I know. I got a lot of emails. I didn't tell you this because... Oh, you don't, man. You don't need no, to deal didn't. with that. But a lot of our female <laughs> fans, they just said, you know... Because Lobart is obviously taken. Uh, Chris Chirbulius <laughs> is obviously taken. Uh, right. I was married. And, and you were, you know, the one. And that's where all of the energy could go. 
<laughs> and I even tried to tell you, you know, don't tell anybody about your lady friend. Um, but uh, Just keep that facade going. Yeah. So so uh, you know now uh, now I'm I'm uh, I'm back on the market or I will hey. be eventually. So right. our hordes of female fans, uh, you can just send uh, all your love letters to kivecast at gmail dot com. <laughs> oh yeah. So far, I've responded to everyone I've received. All right. Hey, staying on top of it. That's good. That's a hundred percent of zero is still a hundred percent. Yeah. Actually, you know what I was going to be doing today, Steve. What's that? I was going to go to the Dryden Theater, which is ah. uh, the local theater where they show art house films. Okay. And, well, not art house films, but just films from film history. Yeah. And that's the dream, Steve, is to get you to move out to Rochester <laughs> to work yep. there. Oh, man. The, the Eastman House. Yep. That's so where it was. Mecca. Last week, I saw Martin Scorsese's personal print of How to Marry a Millionaire. Huh. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Uh, oh, it's awesome! A really weird movie. I guess it was the first <laughs> movie ever in CinemaScope. I don't know. We, we got uh, we got. Uh, we're gonna be talking to Ron Salvatore later, so he can he can brief us on that. Yeah, yeah. He's the our he's our movie historian, and I would say if we had to, you know, beyond beyond being the, the Holy Ghost, <laughs> right? And oh yeah, this is going to be a roundtable show, everybody. Yes, so, that's uh, that's a good thing. We should <laughs> get that out there. We we got some good guests coming on. We like we said, we got good old Ron, the Holy Ghost himself, and we got the the archivist Tommy Garvey. Archivist or archivist? See, I being uh, of that breed, I guess everyone's always told me archivist, like in terms of the professional world and all that. But then before that, I always heard archivist, and it's one of those weird words. I just stick with archivist because I, I hear it more at work. Okay, <laughs> um, but you never. I don't know if there's one way or another that's right. All right. Well, I won't goof with you on your milieu, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think people pretty much tune in the show to hear debating on how to how to pronounce archivist. Yes. But they also come exactly. in for the, the movie thought, Steve. Absolutely. And uh, thinking about movies, uh, this is still going back to the wonderful viewing in uh, in uh, Seattle of Return of the Jedi. Yes. And I just think that there's proof of the narrative power of cinema and Man. how just the way something is phrased or something is delivered can have such a powerful impact. Yeah. And, and the line I'd like to talk about is, of course... Many Bothans died to bring oh, us this man. information. Yes, it's a, it's a very loaded line. There's a lot, a lot going on there. I, I mean, seriously, who cares about Bothans? I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> are Bothans good? Are Bothans bad? We don't what know. What are Bothans? <laughs> but I think Mon Mothma does not get credit. I mean, she doesn't say much, but no. I was heartbroken. I'm like, not the Bothans. Those <laughs> little guys are... Big guys, or big guys, or hairy guys, or scaly. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, of all the species, they could have said, you know. Yeah. I mean, they could have said, you know, many walrus men died to bring us information. <laughs> oh man, know? how awesome would that be? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. We should do like fan edits. Many snaggle teeth died to bring us. <laughs> now, there's a question: Is the plural of snaggle tooth snaggle teeth or snaggle tooths? Yeah. See, we, we can get into a lot of <laughs> debate in terms of pronunciation. Send in your opinions to kivecast at gmail.com. Yep. <laughs> uh, awesome. Now, Steve, do you have any uh, any any flips, uh, any scripts to be flipped? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a minor one, but it's uh, as we know that the Bespin Guard are uh, our figure of the month. Which oh, we, <laughs> I should, guess we should we should let that too. be known too. Yeah, we're doing the uh, white or Asian, as we determined way back in like episode three, right? The yeah. Asian security guard. The Asian security guard. Yes, it has yeah. long been known as the white security guard. Right. But we right. determined with uh, with the help of Phidias Barrios, who yes, I, I believe we determined is Asian, right? Yes, yes. Right. Um, just because of the name, like, Barrios. It's like, I <laughs> don't know. But uh, yeah. we determined he's officially Asian. Asian played the 911 call that Sam Sweet made the night he murdered his brother. Keep in mind, Mr. Sweet confessed one month later. So yeah, it's all about that that mustache, man. That's, it's all about like, it's all about the Fu Manchu. Yeah, um, no, but in terms of the script, I guess uh, I got one little one, and it, it involves that scene where uh, the uh, the security guards kind of ambush the stormtroopers and, and take over and let you know ha- uh, Leia and Lando get going. And um, one thing I tend to love when I find it in these scripts is really generic, cheesy sci-fi dialogue that, okay. that just doesn't ever make it. Most of the time, this kind of stuff, you know, in that scene, it's all kind of unspoken. He just gives him a nod and says, take him to the tower or whatever. But in the in one version of the script, uh, Lando shouts out, Code Force, now! <laughs> and just imagine if the scene went down that way. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, they, they did some good uh, cutting, I would say, in, in that Empire script. There's a lot of that, I mean, Going back to what was it last month? Fire the big gun, things like that. I mean, right. it's, it's just hilarious on the page. But if you imagine them saying it, it just <laughs> this script, flip the script, come yeah. force now. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Now, Steve, that was a, a stirring reenactment. <laughs> uh, I, I will I'm have, have the, uh, the chance to redeem myself as a, a voice actor. Yes, later in the show we will have the triumphant return of Kenner <laughs> Commercial Theater. Which yeah. I spent a long time writing this. This month. I know I, I was dreading it when I first saw it, but then I, I really I looked over. I'm like, man, you really he put some <laughs> some elbow grease into this. I gotta I gotta come through on my end. I did. Speaking of creativity, actually, I'm, we might as well get to the the sky coups. Um, yes, yes. We, we also have a lot of and coups, which will be yes, in the feedback right. section. So Ann Jenkins has absolutely dedicated herself to basically we're having the equivalent of a rap battle, but with haiku. Um, right, right. So if you win, you lose, essentially. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's all about passivity and all that. So, uh, anyways, we'll, we'll be talking about that later. Uh, you see, Steve, even though life has knocked me down, I'm still the same guy. Do you see that? Yeah, no, I, you sound like the same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Okay, so would you prefer... I have to I have to admit, Steve, these are both pretty Sky-esque. Okay. Um, I guess we will go with the character first. All right. <clears throat> Actually, they're both kind of both for the character and the figure. All right, that's fair. No white ghost, am I? Asian security guard. The Fu Manchu man. (laughs) So that, of course, if you know people from China, that's the derogatory term for white people in Chinese is guailu, white ghost. So, <laughs> oh man, that is just that is layered. <laughs> so I almost said no Guailu am I, Asian security uh, yeah. guard, the Fu Manchu man. I think uh, that's that's okay as an alternate for that. Yeah. That, I mean, now that you've kind of got the, the explanation, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then the next one uh, is 
Anyways, I also studied art history. So in the event that you studied art history and you've studied, uh, you've been to Siena and you've studied Duccio's series of uh, the life of Christ, you will find this hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Good preface. I mean, yeah. all right, we're hooked. It's actually quite religious. Here we go. Like Duccio's Jesus, gold trim on royal blue robe, the last shall be first. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I think that oh. actually might qualify as a really good poem if you understand. Yeah, hey, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> if you understand both the importance of the Asian security guard and Ducho's Jesus cycle in Siena, it, it really works as a great poem. But. Yeah, I think if you can get like a <laughs> a, po- a poetic scholar to, to understand those two things, that would be just eaten up. <laughs> it would. Be. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, my poem is a little too niche. Um, <laughs> Well, we promised a big announcement for Kivecast 46, which will make up for the missing Kivecast 44 or whatever. Right, right. Well, we, yeah, that's our, our October makeup, right? Yes. It, it is yeah. going to be the shortest Kivecast in the history of the Kivecast. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's all about uh, quality. It's all about quality. And Steve, we hinted at it before. Only one person noticed it. We are <laughs> delivering. The definitive Rick Springfield interview. That's right. Oh. <laughs> Man. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how I got this interview. All I could say is I had a well-placed source at a well-placed time. I can't tell you when I had this interview. It could have been yesterday. It could have been three weeks from now. I can't tell you anything about this interview except it is right here at my fingers. And we are going to release that within the next month. And uh, it, it is by far the most nervous I have ever been for anything. Okay, I guess, you know, it's not going to be three weeks from now. But uh, getting to record with Rick Springfield, it has happened. And uh, it's funny Man. because usually when you, when you hear people say, oh, we're going to give a big announcement in a podcast, it usually ends yep. with, and the podcast is ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, that's not the case. That's I, think, not the, I think this is a good alternative. <laughs> no, but this would have been the crowning achievement. So everything that's else true. I mean, you, you kind of... <laughs> We're, we're just downhill. Uh, yeah, or it's just the beginning of just a new higher plateau. Maybe. Let's look at it that way. Yeah, I say we go with that. Yeah, I say we go with that. So everyone look out. Keep your keep your eyes on the feed, and you'll get to hear. It's about like a 20-minute interview uh, with the man himself, Rex Springfield. Yep, awesome. I, I had to take a break there well, after I said that so I can make sure to put in the uh, <laughs> Jesse's Girl link a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, so, how about I play the roundtable drop, and we call up our friends? Sounds about right. All right. Take a seat at the board with the Space Chess Roundtable, here on the Vintage Pod. It is a silly place. I see your point, sir. So we're we're here at the at the round table. It's it's the one year anniversary, Steve, of our first round table. I know it's insane. I can't believe a year ago this month is when we first did this, and it's a, it's a good concept. I'm glad we're doing it still. Yeah. Now we're here with with the Holy Ghost himself, Ron Salvatore. How are you doing, Ron? Pretty good, Scott. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. How many feet are you away from the Hudson River? How many feet? Yeah. Like a um, I would say about three miles. How many feet does that calculate to? I don't know. Like <laughs> 10,000 meters? Because um, I'm actually really close to the Erie Canal, so we could theoretically float to each other from here. 
Theoretically, yeah. <laughs> what are you floating? <laughs> and uh, that other voice you hear is uh, Tommy Actually, Garvey. Sky, yes, I think we could take the the route through the planet core to get to each other. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Can't, can't the, okay with it. You can't say the planet core like that. It's got to be the planet core. <laughs> 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 so the other voice that you hear is uh, now we've been de- debating whether or not Tommy which do you prefer the archivist or the archivist um I'll go archivist archivist good that's the apparently the proper pronunciation now you have a knowledge an encyclopedic knowledge of um, uh, bad comic book characters from the Marvel Universe is there a Marvel character called the archivist um the collector he appeared at the end of uh, Thor 2 I oh. was played by Benicio del Toro. The guy with the oh, right that's hair. right. That's yeah, right. I, I, I saw that, but there's no archivist. Spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and you are very far from the Hudson River. Uh, yeah. I'm yes. afraid so. All right. Well, cool. Uh, well, you know, last year we got together and we talked about the new movies, right? About about uh, them being bought by Disney, and we've actually had a, a fair amount of news about that recently. So, uh, you know, what's been what's been? Let's uh, let's start with with uh, Tommy's take on the change of writer. So apparently they've just dashed uh, Michael Arendt or whatever his name is, and they've gone with uh, director, right? Uh, what's his name? J.J. Abrams. And uh, the screenwriter of The Empire Strikes Back, right, Larry Kasdan, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, so, so what's your what's your feeling on that? What do you think that means, uh, Tommy? I like fifty percent of that news. <laughs> like, yeah, the other fifty percent, I probably would have liked more if I hadn't seen the Star Trek films. Right. Um, but I'm okay with it. I mean, honestly, they can't make it anything worse than Episode One, so. No matter what they do, it's gonna, you know, be something. And and Ron, you are a resident film expert. What should we know about uh, Lawrence Kasdan that we don't already know? Um, I kind of is he really going to be writing? Wasn't he like an advisor? He was. A, I thought he was an advisor on the movie before he was named a writer. I mean, I kind of took his being named as a writer almost like a PR thing, where they're like, well, the fans really want to see him in there, so they're going to put his name on there. And I would expect since Abrams is kind of driving the the cart on it that he's going to be the main guy behind uh, the basic ideas in the movie. I'd be surprised if that's not the case. Right. But, you know, I mean, I guess it's nice that a guy who's tied to the original trilogy is there, but I just cynically kind of think that maybe he's just there to appease fanboys in some way. Right. (laughs) Who knows if that's true or not. Well, you're yeah, I think you're right. You're right, Ron. I think originally he was brought on as as a consultant, not just for the first movie, but I think just the whole franchise in general. And then now that they've kind of stuck with him as a as a screenplay credit, I think yeah, it does seem kind of like a, a PR move. But who knows? I mean, <laughs> he wrote Dreamcatcher. I mean, that was just, that was a pretty weird movie. That's the last thing I remember. Yeah, seeing that's he, one of the last things he did. Wait, that Stephen yeah. King thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, oh yeah, that movie is weird. <laughs> yes, I mean, he's was. a pretty talented guy. He just hasn't been doing that much, and I, I just always wonder about the, the what's going on behind the scenes of that. If they got rid of Arndt, who's the the who's the Pixar guy, right? And then he did Hunger Games right. and some things. Like, I never was particularly much of a fan of that guy, and but I'm not much of a fan of J.J. Abrams either. So I just don't really well, care so much. 
So What's that, Tommy? We've been having we've been having a whole lot of a drama between the the studio as well. Like the studio wanted um, it to be out in 2015, and uh, J.J. Abrams and some other people working on the film wanted to push it back a year, but didn't didn't want to do that because it would interfere with their plan to release um, uh, one every two years or whatever, and they had already like. They already planned it to coincide with their Marvel movies that they're releasing every you know, two or three years. So they basically told J.J. Abrams, like, shut up and release it in 2015. Yeah. I haven't been really following it. But, I mean, there's so much money and different concerns and different egos attached to this thing at this point that it's got to be a nightmare just, you know, going on behind the scenes. And just, You just hope that something halfway decent comes out of it. I think they wrote Casablanca on the set before filming each day. So hopefully it'll be more like that and not like the 30 years we had to wait for episode one. <laughs> right. Well, I, I got to say that to me, the best news out of this whole thing is that they fired that aren't guy because Little Miss Sunshine is just kind of schlocky. I mean, it's okay, but yeah. it's... I hated that movie. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I, about that guy, I was like, God, they got that guy's going to be writing Star Wars. But I mean, as a French teacher, I'm happy that they mentioned Proust quite prominently. Um, <laughs> and then I thought that Toy Story 3 was just, I don't know, again, just... I think I said it last year, you know, two and a half hours yeah. of, they're going to kill this kid! Ah! Yeah, you know. I didn't... I don't really... I'm not the biggest Pixar guy. And the thing about those movies is that they're just so well made. They're almost like perfect little gems or something. And, you know, I guess Brad Bird's movies are a little bit different, the ones he's done for him. But usually the at the screenplay level, it's not like they're that interesting. It's almost just like a they're always put together. They're always inspired by something else. So it's like yeah. Cars is Doc Hollywood. And um, toys is the Jim Henson. Uh, toy, toy Story is the Jim Henson Christmas toy sort of mm. thing. I mean, right. They're always you know? uh, Bug Life is Three Amigos and you know, Magnificent Seven kind of thing. So I, I guess if Caston is actually going to be writing a significant portion of this, and he's got kind of like a say in what what happens, like I guess that's good because I don't particularly like Abrams or aren't, but. If it's actually just Abrams, which is kind of what I suspect, who's calling the shots, then I'm just, I don't really particularly like him either. So, either way, I just don't really yeah. have a dog in that fight. I think it's going to be a halfway decent Star Wars film. That's, that's my guess. Like, your hope is that it's halfway decent. That's what I, that's been my prediction from the beginning. That well, yeah. I mean, you have something. I mean, he made two Star Trek movies. I would imagine that the tone and a lot of it's going to be similar to that. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Like, obviously, there'll be some more Star Wars-ish about it, but it's still probably going to be somewhat similar to those, I would say. I mean, that would be my best guess. Right. People seem to like those Star Trek movies, so, I mean, if, if that makes people happy, then that would be good overall. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably about as much movie talk as we can do here on our on our podcast here. Right? Anything, Steve? Yeah, I mean, we got a good discussion going there, but maybe we should get back to our our, <laughs> well, our but, toys, right? You know, I'm, I'm recording in my office, and I realize the only Star Wars thing I have is an old price guide, uh, Brian Semling's Beckett's Everything You Need to Know About Collecting Star Wars Collectibles. Have you guys ever Which seen this probably one? probably the best book of all time ever written about Star Wars. <laughs> it, it's funny. Did I talk about this before, Steve? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I gotta say, like, even though the writing isn't particularly good, 
Uh, it's really cool because they feature full 8x10 color photos of every vintage figure oh, loose. Oh, yeah, you know what? I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I'm not, I was just joking about that. I don't even remember exactly what's in the book, but I seem to remember the big photos now that you mention it. Yeah, so it's it's funny because in some ways it's you know just a pretty bad early version. Um, but then they had this really funny thing where on one page they're just trying to show a, a typical ESB Lando. And they say that its value is ten dollar loose, sixty in package, but then it's a lily lady. <laughs> they don't even mention it. Someone <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't notice that probably before it went to the printer. Yeah, so it's this beautiful picture of a really nice looking lily lady uh, Lando. But uh, so I don't have my usual, you know, Kellerman and Sand Suite. I'm not covered by the museum. I just could have got this one thing, but. <laughs> uh, it's cool, yeah. Well, you have Tommy here, so you can just fall back on him, you know, if you ever need any encyclopedic knowledge. That's true. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, yeah, maybe... I couldn't, yeah, go I, ahead, couldn't identify, I couldn't identify a Liddy Letty Lando if you paid me, like, a billion dollars. <laughs> no, no, it's in packaging. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. It, it says in Spanish, you know, El Regreso del whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I said everything correct except for the Jedi part, which is the one word you think I'd know. <laughs> El Regreso del whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, and let's see, I think uh, probably the biggest news of the month was the uh, was the huge party at Rancho Obi-Wan. Uh, but of course, none of us went. So what we're going to do is we're going to call Mike Ritter. And uh, he... I believe he's gone to every collecting event in the history of civilization. Is that right, Tommy? <laughs> I think I think I've seen set photos from uh, the original Star Wars. He's even like in the background. He's <laughs> yeah, he's there with like a Jets windbreaker. <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's in a cantina somewhere back there, like arguing with the Wolfman guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna call him uh, a little bit later, but I'm gonna pretend like we're calling him right now. So, um, this actually, uh, as I mentioned, as we introduced this section, we're talking to Mike later. We've actually already said goodbye to uh, Tommy and Ron, but you guys have a lot to look forward to later on in the show. Um, and I think, Mike, we're trying to come up with a good nickname for you. I think, I think I've started to call you the ambassador. Um, or, or, or maybe the envoy, just like whenever there's a problem, whenever there's any Star Wars thing, you got to send Mike Ritter to it. So, I don't know about that. I, I, I kind of like the ambassador. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've sold enough people <laughs> lately, uh, you know, to get out there and, and start, you know, enjoying the social aspect of the hobby. And and, and that's where my collection's kind of gone. Now it's, it's, yeah, I still do the archie stuff, but now my best collection that I'm doing is all the friendships that I've developed. I'm trying to get more people to do it. Cause, yeah, I kind of like the ambassador. Uh, yeah. I think it's yeah. fitting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Steve, did I even talk about the, the dinner in New York in the last episode? No. See, that was kind of a, a, a thing that was going to happen. We didn't actually, because this has been some time, we haven't talked about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, due to the family intricacies, 
uh, and work difficulties, I wound up not going to the New York Comic Con, but I did go uh, to dinner. Okay. Um, so that was cool. awesome. So it was like this really cool uh, dinner where the the waitress spoke French, and so like I had a good rapport with her, but then she didn't really know what she was doing, so she sent us upstairs, so we all went upstairs, and then we ordered drinks, and then our table was downstairs, and then I wound up just... <laughs> Buying drinks for everybody, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was really fun. Like there was lots of cool stuff talked about. Uh, Jason bought a Lily Lady uh, uh, Jawa, and uh, there was some pretty crazy stuff from James Gallo. But I don't know if he wants it to be uh, public. But uh, yeah, that was fun. Did you have fun? Let's talk about that first, uh, Mike. What was your thoughts of the New York Comic Con? Well, like everything else, it's uh, you know when you start doing conventions. You know, all over the place. They all turn into the same. So, you, in all honesty, you didn't miss anything with New York Comic Con. Crowded uh, hallways and and lots of people standing in, in the way and everything. <laughs> Best part is always the uh, after con parties. Yeah, and that really was the best part. The restaurant was pretty funny though because I ordered a shepherd's pie, Steve, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't have any potatoes, so they brought me out <laughs> a shepherd's pie with no potatoes. Which is basically a bowl of nasty meat. Like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about what it would be. <laughs> oh man! So I sent it back, and just uh, they just never sent. They they just totally forgot to bring me food. Uh, we were there with a great friend of the show, Tom Quinn, who just never got his food either. Um, and it, it was it was quite an amusingly badly run restaurant. Um, <laughs> But the time yeah, is great. That's, that's kind of the problem we have with the New York Comic Con. Yeah, it's New York City, and there's so many choices and everything. But, you know, the the groups that we uh, usually take out for dinner for New York Comic Con in the past, you know, this year we had about 20 people, and uh, a few years ago we had 30, uh, 35 people, and, you know, trying to find some place that handles that big a crowd without being a problem is difficult. Yeah, and yeah, so we tried this place uh, this year, and yeah, lock it off the year list. We'll try someplace else the next year. <laughs> oh, see, that's that, that's how I am. I'm like, what was wrong with that place? Like, who cares? But I mean, I, oh, I yeah, sure. care less than they, as they, long as you're sitting there and having a good time and then chatting with all your friends about different things. Yeah, we had that. Took three hours for dinner to arrive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what we're really here to talk to you about is probably the, the biggest news event of the year, which was uh, the Rancho Obi-Wan event. And much like Celebration Europe, because I didn't go, I have officially banned it from all... Like, I just... I don't read anything about it. I've tried to avoid anything on Facebook. I'm just like, I didn't go, therefore I can't think about it. But uh, what what was it, uh, Mike? Uh, you missed a great time, uh, both of you guys. Uh, yeah. Wish you would have been there. Uh, the Rancho Obi-Wan event was a celebration of Steve Sansweet was uh, recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records for uh, having the largest personal Star Wars collection. Uh, yeah. A title he took over from, I guess it was Jason Joyner. Right. The Had the title for several years, the previous title holder. And, yeah, Steve's totally gone way past uh, his number, I think. They estimate it's like 300,000 individual pieces. Wow. So, and this was a, it was a celebration of basically a party to, to celebrate his getting into the, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records, which is kind of pretty cool. <laughs> and so what was it like? I mean, how many days did it last? Was it just like one party? What, what, like what happened? 
Well, officially, it was a one-day party. Uh, it was on a Saturday night. Um, and uh, you know, probably like 150 people plus all the volunteers and everything. You know, uh, there was uh, food and drink and, and musical entertainment. There was uh, a live auction. There was a silent auction. There was, uh, it was a lot of fun. There was uh, a couple of celebrities showed up. You had... Uh, uh, Dave Filoni showed up. I think Tom Kane, who voices, I believe it's Yoda. Yep. yep. On Clone uh, Wars, he was uh, there. I think. Also the narrator, I believe. Yep. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, James Donald Taylor, voice of Obi Wan. He was there, and he gave a really uh, cool little show. He does a one man show. He does. He's a voice actor. And and it, it, it's kind of fun to hear, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's Scooby-Doo and Shaggy all the way to Fritz Flintstone and huh. Obi-Wan and all of it. It, it. it was a fun little event. Awesome. Now, Mike, but, had, uh, had you been to uh, to Rancho Obi-Wan before this? Well, this is my first trip out there, and uh, I got... I, I was lucky to be invited. Uh, you guys know Ross and uh, Charmaine, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, from Canada. Well, uh, they decided they they were coming down for the uh, Guinness Book uh, event, and they decided, "Hey, we're down here. Let's get married." That's cool. So uh, there was a I think it was about twelve or fifteen of us. Uh, it was a uh, Rancho Obi Wan's first official uh, wedding on uh, on premises and that's awesome we had the reception there we had the wedding it was absolutely incredible uh, evening it was a sunset in the ceremony and then we had some awesome uh, food at the reception and we just had a great time and that was my first experience for uh, Rancho Obi-Wan and that was held the night before wow and uh, it, was, it was fantastic and Let's just send a shout-out to Ross and uh, Charmaine and say congratulations on the wedding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, uh, Soon-to-be bitter old man like myself uh, thinks that's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I think the marriage may uh, do something good for Ross. I actually saw him smile for once. <laughs> wow, that's... that's... <laughs> and if you guys know Ross, he doesn't smile uh, at all. So. No, no. Well, if you can't smile while getting married at uh, Rancho Obi Wan, that's uh, that's a pretty big litmus test. So, uh, w- was there any cool like vintage stuff that was auctioned? Um, let's see, vintage. Wasn't really vintage. Uh, two pieces that I won was uh, you know, Channel Giant does their whole uh, giant vintage figures. Right. Right. So, uh, two of the pieces I won was a uh, first shot of R five D four. Really. Yep. Cool. Not R2, but close enough. And uh, and then the other one was a uh, packaging mock-up for uh, their exclusive three-pack of the droids. Huh. That's R5, uh, D4, uh, the Power Droid, and uh, Death Star Droid. Wow. So, that sounds like... It's tiny. Instead of being the white, instead of being the black uh, packaging, uh, everyone uh, knows this is, you know, it's a engineering mock-up, so it's all in uh, white cardboard and make sure everything lays uh, out properly and yeah two neat pieces they're not vintage but they're vintage related I guess yeah absolutely yeah those are great yeah I'd love to see pictures of those 
Um, yeah, considering that you never see any Gentle Giant prototypes, so uh, neat pieces to... Yeah. Did, did other Gentle Giant prototypes like that go up as well? Um, Gus won the uh, Death Star droid first shot. That was the only other... Uh, gen- well, there were some maquettes and uh, uh, statues that they did. Uh, a couple of those, but I don't pay attention to those. Right. But uh, there's a lot of pieces of... Uh, auction for the live auction there there was a lot of original art that uh, was donated to uh, Steve um, I don't think what else is there uh, one of the really cool pieces there was a uh, hand painted Greedo ornament for a shot from uh, Hallmark huh. yeah. that must have gone for right. a lot because those Hallmark people go nutty for that they, stuff they, they do it's true well, there weren't any Hallmark people there, but uh, they went uh, for a nice price. Uh, I think Elling wound up with that, uh, a good friend of ours. And, uh, or Canadians? Or Canadians, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a Canadian inva- uh, invasion uh, that yeah. night. And, uh, Shane was there, Elling and his wife, Russ and uh, Charmaine. So Canada was well represented. Yeah. So then if someone said to you, tomorrow, you could, you, could, you know, uh, so, um, I'm trying to think of saying this way without implying people that I like dying. So, you could just have the collection of, uh, you are given the collection because you're such a good ambassador by one of the three collections, either, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan, the Boba Cabana, or the Death Star Theater, uh, Vic and Lisa's collection. Which one would you choose? Oh, you're gonna make me pick? Yeah. <laughs> it's Ritter's Choice. Oh, that's so tough. Steve's got some awesome pieces, uh, some rare pieces that could certainly fit into my collection. Gus has a couple of uh, rare pieces that can fit my collection. Vic and Lisa have a couple of... Oh, man, you really don't make me pick, aren't you? I am, yeah. You know, I I think as it came down to it, Death Star, all the way. Gotta go. Wow. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, oh, the Death Star. Okay. See, uh, yeah, Gus with the, yeah. with the actual Death Star. Yeah, it's all pretty crazy. Good. So you you, you really, you essentially think that uh, uh, Vic and Lisa's and Steve's collection are just garbage. Good. All right, cool. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. That just knocked me off any chance of... Seeing as you were the ambassador, I guess not so much anymore. Now you're picking sides. Uh, <laughs> one of Gus's goons. Awesome, Mike. Well, well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and talking with us about this. And uh, yeah, I think when we when we first had you on, we thought that we'd call you a lot more than we did. Uh, there's no reason for that. It's just that we didn't. But we uh, we should call you more than we do. <laughs> hey, that's perfectly fine. I understand. I'm unloved over here. No big deal. Well, uh, we will uh, we'll talk uh, soon. All right, uh, guys. Appreciate the phone call. Mike Ritter is there. Okay, good. Cool. Now we can pretend that we just talked to him. That was a really good interview, man. Really good. Yeah, he always brings it. <laughs> um, I, I went to a toy show, guys. Yeah? Yeah. I, I saw it on Facebook. Yeah, you bought a Mr. T comb. That was awesome. No, no, better than Mr. T, Muhammad Ali. Oh, that's right, Mr. Hamad Ali, that's right. Oh, man. Yeah, it was this funny thing where I went with my mom, which is great because she likes to spoil me, and I went with my kids, which is great because she loves to spoil the grandkids, and, you know, we're going through this whole divorce thing, so they get the extra spoiling, but everybody was exhausted. 
So it was awesome. It was this huge room, and they had tons of old stuff. I mean, you know, they had all these cool, like, Japanese bootleg stormtrooper robots, and they had a couple, like, dealers who only had vintage Star Wars, and uh, lots of really weird, like, Ferdinand the Bull collectibles from the 40s. <laughs> I mean, like, it was a really far-out thing. Like, actually, I just wish that anyone other than a tired my mom and a tired my kids were there. <laughs> but, uh, so, unfortunately, all I wound up picking up Star Wars was a, uh, uh, coin offer Lobot, so. But that well, was, that comb was pretty awesome, though. Yeah, yeah, and I picked up a, a Muhammad Ali Afro comb, <laughs> um, which just, as far as a, a fan of the 20th century, you can't get a better object than that. <laughs> no, and you really can't. On the handle, it's got him in profile embossed, so it looks <laughs> like a Victorian comb or whatever of, uh. Oh, it's beautiful. On the package, it should, it should say, fly like a butterfly, comb like Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should, yeah. It just says the champ, which isn't quite as, quite as good. Uh, that's pretty good, but it needs to have some poetry if it's a Muhammad Ali collectible. Yeah, it does. Um, so, I, I want to say one thing, Tommy, because we're going to be... Basically, the way we're thinking of the show is kind of having guest editors. So, yes, you know, we're going to have Ron okay. sort of recount some tales of yore, and we're going to have Tommy talk about stuff. <laughs> um, but we're thinking of you guys kind of taking the reins a little bit, but you kept on referring to it as the White Bespin Guard. Now, do you reject the renaming of it as the Asian Security Guard, Tommy? I, I do, because I don't think the continent of Asia exists in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's an Asian section of like five cities. <laughs> huh. So then it should only be color, like white and black. Well, I guess you have to ask the basement guard himself how what he prefers, like the the term. Right. Like, like certain Native American groups prefer to be called by you know their their individual uh, nation's name rather than. Native American or American Indian. So, so we call him the Filipino security guard. <laughs> that's what he prefers. But if there's no Philippines in the space world, then that doesn't work. You see, I just got you. Oh, snap! Yeah, you, you totally got me, man. <laughs> I kind of like Asian Best Pinion and Afro Best Pinion for the two. Yeah, that's Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Both ABG. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just, just to make it more confusing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so Tommy, we're going to hand over the reins. You went. So, why don't we have actually a quick vintage vocab? Uh, I don't think we've talked about Raskav or whatever it's pronounced in a while. It's vintage. So describe what you do and what the Raskvis uh, is all about for our listeners, uh, Tommy. Uh, sure, uh, Raskvi is pronounced. It's, okay. uh, it's an old, it's an old news group, which was sort of like the uh, the internet before the internet. So if you imagine like a, it's sort of like an email sort of system. I mean. You can you can search it using various um, search engines and things like that, but it goes back 
to the to the eighties. I mean, you can find guys from MIT and like government installations in like nineteen eighty one arguing about Star Wars. And wait, so really? You, yeah. Do, do you have those? Yes. Awesome. I have I have those. Wait, they have like um. Hold on a second. It's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting. I always love looking at them because you get all sorts of weirdness. But Usenet goes back way back. Tommy's right. Um, oh, yeah. Started in definitely the late seventies or the eighties with different mm-hmm. sorts of news groups. So you can go back and find people arguing about you know Return of the Jedi before it came out and stuff like that. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. It's supposed to be loading, but it's not. Oh, that's here we right. go. So, here's someone in June of 1983 who just saw Return of the Jedi, and they're saying, um, episode seven is going to be Luke turns sour and Leia battles new foe that is Luke. Luke turns good, Luke has baby, and Luke's happily ever after. Then the start of episode one will be Luke's father is in the academy, becomes Jedi, everybody happy, Emperor turns dark sour, Jedi lose control. The Empire is formed after giving birth to two war babies, Luke and Leia. So now everyone can save your money, and Lucas doesn't have to do the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what my favorite part of that is? is I'm going to guess it's the same. Go ahead, Sky. It's yeah. that instead of saying turns to the dark side, just yes. says, go sour. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> sour yeah. The sour side, man. That's, oh. As you can see, trolls go back a long way. Like Even like yes. the early 80s had their trolls. <laughs> Here's a a review from 1983. It says, I thought Return of the Jedi was heavy and gratuitous violence compared to both its predecessors. It bothered me that the audience would laugh every time a stormtrooper smashed into a tree on his motorcycle. (laughs) The casual attitude to death was reinforced when the good guys ended up coming back as holograms anyway. Kicked Kicked the bucket, not to worry. You just get a bit translucent, that's all. So they take something away from the dramatic impacts department. This is from someone who apparently didn't realize that wars was the second word in the title. <laughs> yeah. Do we really need to see another Death Star blow up? <laughs> Worst Muppet ever, that blue elephant. <laughs> Worst scene ever, the mushy stuff with Han and Leia on Endor. Also, the strangulation of Pizza the Hut was not convincing. <laughs> Wait, did, did it really say worst Muppet ever? Worst Muppet, yeah. Worst Muppet, the blue elephant. Wow. Yeah. Pizza the Hut, that's a long time before uh, Spaceballs, too. Way oh, before yeah. Spaceballs, yeah, that's awesome. Man, Tommy, you got to print those things out. Please print them out in case the internet implodes on itself. Well, that's these why he's the archivist. On my, yeah. These are all saved on my computer here. Oh, good. But, but Rast V was like... Uh, basically splintered off from a larger Star Wars news group probably around 97 which was yeah. kind of the start of that specific one and we all kind of well did you really post on there Tommy? I mean was that before your your time? I posted I posted twice on Askey oh, I yeah. was just sort of lurking I was, hmm. I was still in my lurking phase and someone did um, the stats a while back and I had the most posts of all time on yeah. there and I think that was me. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I think Chris, Chris objected to my official account. He's like, no, I changed my email address. And once you add in the, his other email address, I think you're very close. I think he might just edge you out, though. 
Maybe. It, it's also not fair because it doesn't take in all the conversation before the name changed. So that would have yeah. been that specific branch. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait I'm, I'm sorry. Are we having two super old school hardcore collectors fighting over post counts? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like this <laughs> is like topsy-turvy day. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's like the main <laughs> people back then are all, not many of them are, well, there's still a lot who are still around, but it would be like Chris, me, Chris Fawcett, John Wooten, Gus, obviously. It was like that whole crew. And then the people like Phidias who lurked for years and years and years. Right. <laughs> making himself known to people. Now, um, once again, while you guys were doing this, I was either trading Grateful Dead tapes or figuring out how to do yeah. super combos by Kilgore on Killer Instinct for the arcade. So I was definitely on... The use groups. I just was in the totally wrong section. <laughs> yeah, and, and for people who don't, for people who don't know about like news groups, it's basically just like rebel scum. You know, it's like a, just a message board, but there's no image capability, so it's just text. You know, and there's no uh, what's the word monitoring or anything where someone has the, the ability to delete your post or you can say whatever you want basically. So there was spam and all this other stuff. It was kind of like a that, a wild west discussion board. Like, once eBay came along, everyone just spammed it, and yeah. you know you couldn't find any any topics anymore. Ron, you posted nineteen hundred and eighty times on Raspberry. Wow! Oh, and, and also, it should be noted too that if you are a super huge fan of uh, the Toy Hunter, uh, Jordan Hambrow, it's very enlightening to go through and see his interactions with. Some of the people who are currently talking right now. Uh, <laughs> I have no comment on this situation. Yeah, I know, but I mean, just it's, as far as history goes, there's a lot of very interesting incidents involving uh, Mr. Hambrow and Lou Ferrigno and the guy who killed Chewbacca. It's a it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty what, good amount of. What more do you need? Yeah. <laughs> Stuff that'll never go away. It's just out there yeah. forever. You know? Thanks to Tommy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so uh, the, the archivist then he, we said what can we do about the Asian security guard or the Filipino security guard? Um and so Tommy just went hunting through all of this information and this is what he found. So what have you found, Tommy? Okay, well, looking through the history of online conversation like about Star Wars collecting, sadly, he's one of the Figures most often cited as a useless figure. Like, if people are listing Kenner's desperation, it'll be like, can you believe that they made two different Desmond guards? Or, I can't believe that we didn't get a Tarkin, but we got, you know, a Desmond guard with a mustache. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that today, and it's like, it's a little bit, I hate to be that guy, because I'm not really that way, but it's just a little bit weirdly offensive that, Apparently someone at Kenner or someone at Lucasfilm kind of thought, gee, we need to have some more diversity in our Star Wars line. And so they'd already made, I guess, the Asian best guard. And so their, you know, their character to add diversity was like, well, we need to have, you know, a black character. Well, let's just make that lame best guard again and put him in there as the black guy. It's like, this is the lamest character in the line to reissue. The thing that bothers me is that he isn't on any of the packaging. So it's like you have diversity, but you're not representing it anywhere. The black person guy doesn't appear on anything. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. Like, 
couldn't they take something cooler? Couldn't they take taken the ATSD driver a few years later and made him a black guy or like the rebel yeah. commando or something? <laughs> like they have to pick the best thing guard right. and make another one. Like anybody who didn't want the first one, they'll get another one, you know, and and then that's the black guy. It's just kind of funny to think about. Well, that's it's interesting you were saying that. We we're going to talk about this later, but talking about the security guard on packaging, um, Tommy, you you were making a point about uh, about the cloud car uh, design. Yes. They show three different uh, Besman guards on the cloud car box, including one piloting it. <laughs> Even though they made another Besman guard and they made a cloud car pilot, each of which is shown on that box. <laughs> and I've never really thought of the white Besman guard as a generic figure, so it's kind of weird to see three of him on the same box. But they did the same thing on the Empire Strikes Back Falcon box. There are three of him, and there are two of him on the Slave One box. <laughs> now, had they already made these other figures at the time that they made the toy? Well, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't have many best and appropriate figures, I think, at that point. But yeah, just pretty not, funny. I just find it weird that they put three of the same figure. Not that the Cloud Car Pilot and the Black Desmond Guard aren't there. It's just you don't see, you know, three identical figures that... In my opinion, aren't generic. And to, to me, the mustache makes them non-generic. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. And I think Kenner was kind of just kind of on a tangent, like just kind of sensitive about the uh, putting multiple characters on the boxes like that. Because I think that may have been behind that whole promotion where they put little flyers into the box, like you could get like a, a free extra stormtrooper or something like that, or a free extra Jawa. Like I wouldn't be surprised if parents complained because say like the Imperial Troop Transporter had all these stormtroopers on there and then parents complained because they didn't want to buy multiple ones for their kids and that's mm-hmm. why they put those little flyers in there to yeah, get some like army builder figures right but they didn't do that at Empire for the Bespin Guard but yeah it is and also they're in snow or is that a cloud <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah uh, I always thought it was snow and realized it doesn't make any sense it's gotta, it's gotta <laughs> be a cloud I guess well actually in our uh Kenner uh, Kenner Commercial Theater. We will be seeing the odd combination of Bespin and Hoth uh, pretty yes. soon. The awkward, yes. the awkward thirty-one back days. Yeah, I actually, I actually have a trilogy thought. Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. Good. No, let's, let's hear. It. My trilogy thought is you now. When I was a kid, I used to watch the movie and just like the Bespin guards are there. You know, they're like the police force. But if you stop and listen to the name, what are they guarding? Because are they like, are they the police? Because I don't traditionally think of police being a guard. And to me, a guard implies that they're privately employed. So mm-hmm. I think they're the guards of the gas mine. Ah. Like, I think, I think they're there, but they're seemingly everywhere around the facility. Like, if you watch Empire, they're everywhere. And they fly around with like these little, you know, twin pod death machines and they fire at people. So I think Cloud City is like in a police state. And if you think about it, they're called the Benson Guards. They're not the Cloud City Guards. So they're guarding like the entire like planet. I think they're guarding the gas. So right. what I think they are is that they're like strike breakers. And it's their job <laughs> to teach the Ugnots, the Ugnots and Lobots from unionizing. And that also explains why Lando has like a torture chamber and prison cell there, because it's all about keeping the little guy down in the safety of nuts. 
and they're like the Pinkertons of the Star Wars galaxy. And my grandfather started working in a Pennsylvania coal mine at age eight, so I know what I'm talking about, and I can oh, totally man. sympathize with the noble Ugnaughts. So if you really think about it, for all intents and purposes, Desmond Guards assassinated my great-great-uncle William. And his Maybe great, Darth great Vader was trying to liberate them. That's true. Time, he thought Vader was a bad guy, but he was just trying to liberate them and bring them into the, the more democratic empire. And wow. That that has to be one of the best rants we've had on the show. <laughs> now, I, I have to add a couple of things. First of all, uh, can you stop pretending that you don't know the name of the gas, Tommy? It's it's Savannah gas. Yeah, thank you. Which is which is <laughs> it, that is a vintage term you guys know, right? It is in the movie. It's not in the movie. It's in is the it? movie. Yes, Savannah gas mine. Let me call somebody on it. Oh, I just know it from the back of a tops card because, <laughs> I, like a couple of years ago, someone's like, "Okay, Mister Star Wars fan, let's let's do the 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 quiz on the back of this tops card." I'm like, "I'll get this." It's like, "What's the name of the gas?" I'm like, "I Bespin gas." I don't know. <laughs> no, no, Han Han is in the in the Falcon cockpit, and he says it. Wow. Well, I love your theory that they are essentially space Pinkertons. They're, they're space Pinkertons, man. <laughs> they will gun you down. That's true. Because why do you need so many of them walking around? That that really is true. What are they doing? But is it the they're Ugnaughts? They're to keep the Ugnaughts from unionizing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, uh, my great... No. My grandfather actually ran a copper mine in, in Michigan. So I guess he had his own security guards. Maybe he used to put down your grandfather, Tommy. That's that's just a possibility. Yeah. My my great 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 uncle and my great 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 uncle were both killed by the Pinkertons. Man, I noticed. Really? I noticed things. They wow. were indeed. That's exciting. Tommy's other half of the family were gangsters, by the way. So it's, <laughs> it's a combination of gangsters and uh, miners and, and and dudes who played for well, the Dodgers. Well, they were actually they were gunned down by the Pinkertons because they were Molly Maguire's, which is like the Irish. It's a legitimate businessman's association. <laughs> there you go. And, and Steve Garvey's his uncle. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. And Marcus Garvey <laughs> is his great-grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Tommy. Anyway, this whole time you thought the whole drama was about Han Solo getting frozen and Luke getting his hands <laughs> nope. off, but all the while it was about the Ugnaughts trying to union him. It's all about labor, man. It's all about, it's all about Lando's crises with labor. Now, actually, and why do you think he wants the mining deal to stay out of there? Because yeah. you know they're going to step in and they're going to say, you know what, Lobot, he can't work those objects this hard. I will tolerate no no criticisms of Lando Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, this is actually, speaking of what I think is one of the most underrated movies of all time, Hoffa. That's what I actually bought a Laserdisc player because that movie came out on Laserdisc. I love that movie. You bought a Laserdisc player to watch off of. It did. Because it had, had director commentary. And if you've never heard David Vito's director commentary, it is priceless. It's like, yeah, so this is, I thought this would be a cool shot. So I, I filmed it. It was pretty cool. It's all like that. I bought a Blu-ray player just to see Anthony Hopkins do Nixon. That was basically <laughs> there the you whole go. thing for me. <laughs> but, but sometimes, if you guys are lucky, ask me to do my impression of Jack Nicholson as Hoffa. I do a dead-on <laughs> impression of Jack, Nichol Jack Nicholson in the back of the Continental talking to Danny DeVito. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, you have to see my face because I'm able to do the because it's it's all about silence and head motion. 
Um, but but if he is that friend of labor, <laughs> but if he is that friend of labor. Uh, hey Jimmy, you want a coffee? <laughs> nah. Anyways. Oh, good. So, what's your next amazing point then, Tommy? Seeing as you've basically just blown us out of the water here. Um. Apparently, a department store in the UK gave away 500 gold hat versions of the figure. And it's one of those things that people remember, but no one can find any proof of. And apparently what happened is the department store got a whole bunch of Desmond guards. People usually say both Desmond guards. Um, opened them up and painted their little hats with house gold. I have no idea why, but... Um, it's one of those things that in the early days of the hobby, people like to argue about, in a, is it a variation, isn't it a variation, who has one, is that the one they have fake? And people have actually, like, spent time um, looking into it. I think, I think Scott Bradley, like, researched it and contacted the department store themselves to see if they could, like, clear up the, the issue, but I don't, I think they came up empty. And I first heard about that years ago, I think, from Chris Harper, I think was his name, who's a UK yeah, collector, and he used to get telling me about it, and I was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't doubt you, but I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, anyone do you paint the hat on one of those things gold, and how do you know if it's real or not? Now, that, did, that whole story's been around for a long time. Did any of them ever sell? The Chris Harper sold his on eBay um, a few years back, and people assumed that that one was real, but the, the eBay auction didn't show up, so I can't tell you what it sold for. Oh, so if you know that, kivecast at gmail.com because uh, that's I mean, as much as I would think it's fake, that's a really elaborate story to come up with. Isn't it? I think it's probably tr- I mean, I've, I've heard it enough times from different people that my guess is there's probably something to it. It's just even if you see one, it's just anybody could paint one of them as gold. It's just just really hard to latch onto as far as the value goes, unless you could absolutely prove like where they got it. Or yeah, you, with something you'd have to carbon date like the paint, I think. <laughs> yeah, something several, like that. Several, several people say that there was even like a newspaper ad for it that it advertised an exclusive yeah. Star Wars figure, but no one's been able to turn up the, the ad. Wow, I've never Steve. You ever heard of this? I had never heard of it. No, no, it's <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, I, I love it because actually, you know that that figure that I got for Lobart, the the Lobot with the free coin offer, you know, it's a forty one back, so it's it's his debut card with a coin offer. So you know that that figure was on the shelf from the first second it could be <laughs> until the bitter end, and still nobody bought it, and they had to put the sticker uh-huh. on it. And like, I love that. Like, how are we going to sell these weird Asian security guards? These weird Asian Pinkertons. We gotta paint their helmets. Like, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that that, uh, that so it's called Debenhams. Huh. Yes. And and yeah. And if if Canada's greatest know-it-all doesn't know, um, that'll be it'll be. I don't <laughs> think anybody can know. We're gonna hear from him later in the show. Uh, awesome. Wow. So what else do you got for us, there, uh, guest editor? Um. Well, the, the C2 uh, Steve Denny proof sale, where, you know, hundreds of proof sales fall sold at uh, Celebration 2. Okay. Uh, they had a, a 31 back, a 41 back, a 45 round corner, a 45 square corner, a 48, a 65, and a power of the force, uh, like Desmond Guard. 
and the average prices were $40 for Empire Proof <laughs> and $50 for Return of the Jedi Proof. Wow. So at that point, then, you could have theoretically put together a complete white Asian investment guard run for under $200? No, wait. For like under $500? A reasonable amount. Yeah. Yeah, math's not my strong suit. Wow. And of course, Ron would say that's overpaying. But. <laughs> I bought two box flats at that sale. They were like $20. I was just like, it was like pocket change, you know? Like, how do you not buy stuff? It's so cheap. Yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty exciting. And actually, hopefully, we're going to be interviewing Johan, um, who's the specialist in Asian security guards. Um, but it's a little bit hard because he's in Sweden, right? So Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to kind of do a, a post-interview with him. I don't know what time it's... Oh, you know what, Steve? We totally forgot to mention in the news that we're on this other podcast. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it just came out uh, a couple days ago from... Yeah, so the uh, Galaxy of Toys, they had a great 35th... Uh, anniversary special for the holiday special and, and we were on there had a little mini mini segment yeah basically fun. we put together like a little show so if you're really missing the old Sky and Steve uh, that's uh, uh, it, was, it was pretty neat I think um, yeah and I didn't have cool. to edit it so it was awesome because I, <laughs> I, I, I just did it and I didn't have to listen to it 20 times that's, that's like how I feel when I'm on this show <laughs> yeah <laughs> have fun Sky see you in a couple weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, let's see. So we got a couple more stories here from Tommy. What do you think, Steve? Should we break it up with a with a story from uh, the Holy Ghost? What do you think? Yeah, we could, we could break it up. Let's, let's get a, a Holy Ghost tale in here. All right, so okay. I'll, I'll throw in the story time drop. Here's an oldie but goodie. Once upon a time. Long ago. Tikalo Carpet. <laughs> Piccolo Carbon Storytime. Hit it, hit it. Toronto, gosh. And I've just thrown in the story time drop. Now, I don't know what you're going to, to regale us with today, Ron, but you've said a couple times in the last couple months, hey man, I should get back on and tell some story. Oh, uh, well, unfortunately I didn't have... I just saw that email from you like today when I got home from work, so I didn't have a long time to remember. But since it's Best Bin Guard, okay. the thing that first came to mind is a pretty is a pretty good story. Um, so this is uh, from, geez, 2003 maybe. Um, it's me, Chris Gugulius, Todd Chamberlain, and, and probably a couple other people, some of whom like to remain anonymous, so we won't mention their names, but we're working a, a lead in Cincinnati who... Um, I don't want to exactly say what he was, but he he worked in uh, early stages of you know making you know action figure prototypes and things like that, and he had a lot of lot of material. And we so, met so, him. So, I'm sorry, times. just just to make this clear, then. So this is a trip to Cincinnati to yeah. try to find people yeah. who worked at Kenner to get pre-production materials. Yeah, just yeah, that's exactly what it was. There's a chance that people wouldn't know. So it's 2003, yeah, and that's where that. Ron, Christian Gullius, and a bunch of mysterious people. <laughs> well, Todd Chamberlain and some other people, but let's just say me, Chris, and Todd for now, and it's just the okay. easiest thing okay. to say. And so this guy, this leads we've been working for a number, of, a couple of years, I think, at that point, and 
we finally, you know, we met him at his workplace a couple times, and we finally met him at, at his house, and he was a good guy, you know, kind of a gruff guy, you know, but very nice, and he like, seemed to like to talk to us and stuff, and we'd stop over his house um, when we were on Cincinnati, because we used to go every, you know, three, four times a year at least, and uh, we would help him sort his, his stuff, so one time we bought bags and, and little boxes and stuff at the earth which was still open then and took him over to his place and we would separate out all his stuff because it was all this he had imagine just boxes cardboard boxes filled with parts of prototypes <laughs> you know, like sculpts and hard copies just it, pieces you know sometimes they'd be in baggies and, and wrapped in it with a rubber band and like a little Dixie cup and things like that and uh, so you know so finally we convinced him we could go over there we didn't we don't want to buy anything, you know, we're just going to come over and help you sort the stuff. And that's what we did, you know, for a couple of times. And we spent hours, you know, just going through it and like, oh, here's the arm for this figure. Put it with the right figure and put it in a bag and write the name on there. And, you know, as he, we did this, he would typically sit there and kind of like drink a beer and watch football or something. And he'd be talking to us <laughs> like as we sat there on his kitchen table doing this for like hours. And, you know, it was like for us, it was just time to interface with this cool stuff. And, you know, hopefully he'd sell something eventually. And so we did that a couple times, and we got his stuff to a pretty good level of organization, you know, where it was all organized, and he had some killer stuff, just like awesome stuff. Also a lot of stuff that was just good stuff, but it was pieces, you know, he'd have like a torso of something, or arms or something, and, you know, it was like stuff we would still be interested in. And, uh, of course, every time we would say, hey, you know, heck, we'd be interested in buying stuff, so, you know, just <laughs> let us know if you want to sell. Oh, guys, I'm not ready to sell right now. I'm going to uh, keep this and maybe open a museum someday, you know, all that stuff that people say. <laughs> I'm going to write a book about it. And you'd be like, yeah, you know, that'd be awesome, but, you know, we're interested. So, you know, finally one day, you know, we're sitting there putting together the stuff, and he's watching football on TV. And, you know, we're like, oh, here's the, you know, Imperial Gunner arm. Like, here's the, this for that. And we're sitting there mumbling about ourselves. And if he's like, without even, like, looking over, he's like, you know, if you guys want to buy something, you can each pick one piece. <laughs> just like, we're just like, you know, he's not, he doesn't even turn to look at us, and we're just sitting there. And he knows we're, like, all staring. He's, like, eyes open. We're like, yes. You know, and, and we're just like, well, you know, trying to, you know, decide what we're going to buy and it's like we're kind of whispering like hey, I don't know you know I don't want to pick like a premium piece because I don't think he's going to sell it you know I think he's going to say no and just, you know need to build this up for future visits can't for lack of a better term shoot our wads right now I mean it needs to be built up over time and it's like so we're all like, well, you know, we'll pick something modest. You know. so, uh, so stupidly, me being the stupidest person on earth, I'm like, well, he had um, a wax Asian Bespinian guard torso, and and I had some Bespin guard stuff, and I'm like, well, this goes with some of my stuff. You know, this is a neat piece, and and you know, well, how about this? Uh, uh, you know, I made him an offer, and he's like, yeah, whatever, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, Okay, sweet, you know. <laughs> so like I kinda like burst the bubble on that whole thing and then Todd's like Yeah, you know, he picks something similar, you know, like uh, some kind of body part. He's like, Yeah, I don't remember what he's like, you know, you know, and he pays about the same as me and you know, ah, cool, he got something, you know. And they're all just looking around the table <laughs> like you know, Todd Todd is like a really a nice like the nicest guy, a very modest guy and you know, he's you know, always does the conservative thing in a lot of cases so you know you'd expect him to do that and you know and, and, but Chris is the guy who hasn't picked and you know Chris is 
<laughs> he's just, uh, you know, he's Chris. He's like cocky and whatever, and he's just like he, he he's got like some stuff, and you can see him looking, and he's just like, oh, what am I gonna pick? And if you could kind of imagine like his hands making like a little bulldozer shape, <laughs> like, he's like, well, how about? This and he puts it into the middle of the table, and uh, the guy, you know, the Kenner guy, is just like, "Wow, I guess that's all right." <laughs> so, like Todd and I get like one little piece, and Chris is like, "Score, man!" You know, he's got like the whole pile, and he's like, "Damn!" And then, of course, we all like walk out of the house, we get in the car, and everyone's just like, he's like howling with laughter. He's like, "You snooze, you lose, man." Well, Ash, you snooze, you lose, and you're way behind right from the start. I've got a Pokemon, and you don't. <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, he's probably going to kill me for telling this story, but still, it's a good story. And it's totally like a Chris story, because it's like totally something he'd do. Like, the, the luckiest man in the world, right? Yeah. And so it's like... So we're sitting there, and he's like, I got this and this and this. <laughs> the guy didn't even really look like what he put at the table. It was just like a pile. And it was like, all this good stuff. And like I got like the torso, you know. And we're like driving off in the car. And like the kicker to the story is like there's like a, a silent period. And I look down, and I'm like looking at the torso closer. And I'm like, oh, man. And I say it out loud. I go, oh, this, I think this is a cast. <laughs> it's just like uprarious laughter. Everyone's like cracking up, you know, because I got like, <laughs> I got like the worst piece. And, and, uh, I got a rock. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I got one piece, and Chris got the best of So the, the moral of the story there is when faced with a, a situation like that, you have to do the Chris Jaguius method and go big. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go small, go big. Uh, <laughs> because uh, wow. that's how you'll make out best. But. Uh. So that's my best in guard prototype Kenner guy story. <laughs> well, see, that, that's a perfect kind of story because that's the, you know, the, like when first couple of times I would go down and visit you, Ron, like we just go out to eat dinner or whatever and you just regale me with these stories and like I knew that you have to be kind of guarded and not sort of let them all go, but I like that you were able to tell it in such a way where you didn't upset people who would be upset except for Chris and that's, you know, he's he's fine. Uh, he's going to be like, you threw me under the bus, but it's true. I mean, but he had the right the right um, attitude, like exactly. Smart. One, he waited till everyone else had gone. Yeah. And two, like, and the guy was softened up. And two, he just kind of like he knew the guy wasn't going to look through that pile too close. Right. He just kind of like pushed it to the center. I was just, I can't believe it. And then the guy goes, Yeah, I guess. I, was, I can't believe it, man. Walked <laughs> out with that big pile of stuff. I got this one stupid thing, and then it turns out to be a cast. I'm like, God. Do, do you but, still have that piece? I do, I do, and it's a. I don't know. I mean, it's it's on a buck. It's, it's on a copper sculpting book, so I don't think... I think it was intended to be a sculpt, but I don't think it was actually sculpted. I think it was probably a start for the uh, the Black Vespin Guard that was never continued. So. Huh. Wow. And I'm sure Crystal has all those pieces, too, so, you know, I know <laughs> he has some really good stuff. Wow, that is, that is a really awesome story. Oh, man. How are you going to follow that one up, Tommy? <laughs> I'm just going to make something up, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but actually I will say one thing Ron that your imitation of Chris Gugulius is perfect but it's also nearly indecipherable from your imitation of John Alvarez which yeah is really, well it's really my imitations funny. are kind of one note so but they're go. both accurate but they are they're basically yeah. the same and even though you <laughs> never say that Chris and John talk in a similar manner their imitations they actually work for both but, well, uh, <laughs> I've known, especially Chris, for a few long time, so I have the uh, the vocal uh, stylings down, at least at least the way 
the kind of stuff I know he says, but yeah. know, Chris is one of the great guys in the hobby of all time. So, oh, yeah. I mean, and he's, like, just one-of-a-kind guy. Like, when I say lucky, I mean, I've been on, I can't believe how many times I've been with that guy on various trips. And I, at least 60% of the trips, he finds money just, like, sitting on the ground. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be walking down the street, and he'll be like, look, there's a 20. And I'm like, I can't believe you just got a $20 bill. Like, he's like, you snooze, you lose, man. You know? So I'm like, well, Ash, you snooze, you lose, and you're way behind right from the start. I've got a Pokemon, and you don't. People, you know, look out. He just has, like, a reason why he found it. I was like, no, man, he's just the luckiest mofo in the world. I don't know how he just stumbled into this stuff. But, yeah. The micro collection. The micro collection. Micro collection. The micro collection. The micro collection. collection. The micro collection. Uh, we can talk about the, the micro collection, uh, White Guys and Guys. Okay. Uh, historically, the, the unpainted one is, uh, is the rarest of the unproduced, uh, figures from the Twitter chamber. Or the back of the you know. Okay. It's the only one that still commands, uh, you know, a, a fairly good price. Like what? The rest are, uh, I think they're like 150, 200 right now. Wow. Somewhere in there. And if you consider that the other figures are, you know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks in there, then it's pretty good. Um, but, uh, strangely, the, the painted version is one of the most common, though, in my experience. Like, there's gotta be, um, over a half dozen of those. And, uh, they're from a two different versions, too. You can get it in gold trim, or you can get it with white trim. Huh. So this is a an unproduced for wh- which set? Uh, the Bentham Torture Chamber set okay. for the micro collection. Right. It never got released, but you can find the White Bentham Guard figure. It came so close to production that you can find it bagged. All the micro collection figures were released in little bags inside the micro collection boxes, and then you know, kids would open them up. And they actually went so far as to bag. The white and black basement guard. They came really close to releasing that toy. And the white basement guard's the one that's copping a squat, right? No, that's the black basement guard. Oh. What's the white basement guard looking like? How do he's I not know this? He's like in the same man. pose, but his legs shoot are from the hip. <laughs> <laughs> he's shooting from the hip, and the, the, the black basement guard is more of like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I now I see it in my head. I just I couldn't. I was trying to think about that that piece, but it's good. It gives me a chance to put in the uh, the Mr. T drop of my it's trademark stupidity, uh, <laughs> which always makes Chris Jorgulius happy. So you know he'll be somewhat healed after being uh, thrown under the bus. Those uh those have always been kind of the toughest. Well, I don't know always, but since like the big finds of those are made, those have been the toughest ones to find. Know, of the unproduced micros, it seems like, except for the little like arms wreck that affected yeah. up in the Chewbacca thing, the bag. Right. <clears throat> oh, well, that's good because we don't actually talk enough about the micro uh, thing, the collection. So that'll make yeah, some the, happy. Uh, the the bag ones, um, they turned up I think in '99, just at a, a flea market in Cincinnati. Uh, a woman named uh, Beverly Searcy. Oh, we're yeah. shopping there and a counter person just like set up and um, they had if you think about all like the, the the QA QC samples all the signed samples for the micro collection that people have um, 
the vast majority of them came from her huh. originally. Um, and some of the figures she just happened to have as well were the fagged, painted, uh, unproduced micro collection figures. And she put them all on eBay like five at a time. And, uh, the first ones, the first ones did okay, but after that, people just stopped caring. So, I mean, several collectors just sat there and just bought them as they came up to, huh. you know, nothing. It was interesting, but she had weird stuff too. She had like a, she had a first shot, uh, droid C3PO with the color swatches, with the paint swatches. Wow. And, um, she had a conceptual X-Wing that's painted black. Like a sort of stealth X-Wing. And, uh, she had a mock-up of the Falcon that someone had done to cut in the little, uh, access hatch that Lando sort of goes through to get Luke in Empire. Right. <laughs> and they had, they had cut a hole in the Falcon roof to put in the little access and then made little doors to go over it so that Lando could, like, pop up and down. But, uh, it was just a you know quick conceptual thing that somebody did. I don't think it was ever seriously considered, but it was so interesting to see. Supposedly, um, a lot of it they got directly out of the the manager's waste paper basket at the end, like <laughs> the XL and like throw it in there, and then whoever it was took it out of waste paper basket and eventually sold it to her. So, hey, Steve, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we? <clears throat> be the guests and Ron and Tommy just take over hosting the show <laughs> they know way more than us man jeez I mean you know they, they do man this is <laughs> uh, well, back, fun, then, back then the, that was like 99 I think I mean if you think about all the things that were happening in 99 you had one you had the earth find of hard copies which around the same time you had 99 was a good one. Time. you had like the flicks for a dollar. I mean, you had a ton of stuff going on and when you come right down to it, a, a micro collection figure with a little Sharpie marker that says like smile one flash 15, you know, people at the time didn't really care a whole lot about that. So, you know, the micro collection in and of itself wasn't terribly popular then. So it, it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, even the conceptual things didn't go for, I mean, as much as you'd think because... Yeah, people need to realize that the micro collection before the prototype finds started coming out there was not many collectors who cared like just even bothered with that stuff it seemed to me like the finds of the four ups and the molds and sculpts really sort of made that whole thing kind of catch a little bit of fire where people started buying it but, but I mean in the say like the mid 90s like I never saw anyone who really cared about the micro collection huh. the uh, the painted bagged unproduced Desmond guards just to give you an idea, sold for $230. Hmm. So it's like, it's pretty good. I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things. Well, before that, that, too, I mean, there was a time when just any unproduced micro-collection figure in the, the, the oh, one-to-one yeah. -one metal was, like, really valuable. I remember people that paying five or $600 a piece. This is before like we started turning ones up in Cincinnati. It was like... Finds made by you know us as well as other people that brought those values down because there was a time when there was like maybe three of the torture Han Solos that were even known you know something like that and they sold for five six hundred dollars. Wow, yeah, and that is that was about the 
it was actually a good price for an unpainted one, and you could get it yeah. painted and bagged. Wow. Yeah. And then once the big finds out, like there were certain finds where just like dozens of the same figure turned up, and then the price just kind of plummeted. But you know that's the way it goes. Wow. Well, then I think I think we'll move on from one thing that we don't talk enough about, uh, micro, to another thing which ever since the uh, semi-retirement of Joe Iglesias, I don't know what he's doing or not doing or whatever. Um, we haven't talked too much about bootlegs, and you had a, a point about bootlegs, Tommy. They did release him. Uh, Model Tram released him in Brazil in lead. Yes, so you can you can get your own lead uh, Besman guard. So yeah, it is. I thought that was an odd joke. Yeah, for a useless figure, um, <laughs> he's got many incarnations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. I guess that's all we're going to say about that. Is do we know? Is that one of the more rare ones? <laughs> Anybody? Um. I haven't I haven't followed it in a while, but I can't remember the last time I saw one for sale. Usually, usually you see um, more of the main characters. I haven't seen that one uh, come up for sale, but I'm not huge into big legs. I have a um, I've always I've always liked the model trends though, so I try to follow them. But I don't remember the last time I saw one for sale. Pretty cool line. Yeah. I have another brief story if you want it. I'm not sure if you have time, but I can. Uncle Ricky, could you read us a bedtime story, please? Oh, please. All right, you kids get to bed. I get the story book. Y'all tucked in? Here we go. Once upon a time, not long ago. <laughs> the great thing about the show is the only thing that happens if it goes over two hours is two people will say it's too long. So, and I know those two people are. So, uh, Bill and Martin, sorry, dude. Uh, dudes. So, yeah. Otherwise, people love it when the shows go long. It's just a question of editing. And uh, I, I owe the audience something. So, uh, so please regale us with another short story. Okay, just another Bespin Guard one. Oh, this actually is more relevant to the Afro Bespinian Bespin Guard, but okay. um, <laughs> it's still a Bespin Guard story. But uh, I think someone may have, Chris or someone may have mentioned this on Rebel Scum recently, but um, during the time when we were trying to hunt down different Kenner folks, we managed to hit most of the sculptors uh, in the line, uh, which was, I mean, at least as far as like people who were doing the stuff in the mid to, to late. To, in the early to mid 80s so it's like the core people who were working on the Star Wars line and uh, Chris in particular was doing a lot of I guess you'd call it research but kind of like just note, notes you know asking different um, sculptors who did which figures and kind of keeping track keeping a spreadsheet of it which was kind of an interesting thing to kind of figure out like who did what figure and what the because you kind of do look at different stylistic trends on the sculpts of the different figures and uh, so one guy in particular we in particular who we met was kind of a definitely a sculpting buff and definitely kind of an old school art buff who was very fond of um, sort of like uh, northern renaissance wood carving you know like Tillman Riemenschneider church figures you know wood carving stuff like that and you know he was his kind of like goal in, in doing Star Wars figures was to get them to appear more lifelike kind of soften them up like he didn't like the straight up and down look so he tried to get kind of a sway or a natural stance into the figures he worked on, which was, I don't want to overstate it, but in the world of action figure sculpting, that was pretty unusual. I mean, I, don't, I can't think of another action figure that looks like, say, Luke Hoth, which he did. You know, it's got that 
contrapasto stance where he's on one foot <laughs> and his weight is shifted a little. Right. Which now, especially after McFarlane toys in the 90s and stuff, now figures are all posed. You know, it's not so much yeah. straight up and down. They're mostly posed, like the little statues. And that was kind of, he was at the forefront of that. So he was a really interesting guy to talk to. To hear that, you know, he's like, I was always trying to get those figures to, to soften up and to look more realistic. And the two you can really see it on the most are probably Lukoff and the Black Bespingard because those, obviously, the hips are, are, are a little bit slung on those and the weight is uh, is different on the feet. And that's really the result of him pushing people to do that, um, huh. which is just a really interesting kind of thing in action figure development history to know. And uh, he was a really interesting guy to talk to. Um, but th- that was a good contrast, too, with Bill Lemon, who's the famous guy who did acetate, because his sculpts are known as being very stiff. You know, they're straight. There's, there's no give at, at all on those in, on those figures. And so he was kind of like the, the on the far end from that guy, you know, trying to, to, to give it some more sway in life. And uh, that's just one of the cooler things. Whenever I see those figures, I think of that guy. It's kind of wow. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely like... Uh you can, it's a very art history heavy show. Ron. Yeah, <laughs> um, my, my, one of my haikus involved Ducho. So <laughs> I remember that. I heard that actually. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a, it's a pretty uh, yeah. We're getting it's good getting lots of art history. Although of course, um, quite apart from that, do you guys always think of Devo when you see their little hats? Yeah, I do. Well, now I'm going to think of Pinkertons, especially the little yeah. gold-headed Captain yep. Pinkerton. Yeah, yeah. That's it. They're the captains. <laughs> you know, you normally, how, yeah, you notice how easily they switch from one side to another. I mean, they don't care as long as you're paying them. Exactly. They'll pull down on Leia. They'll pull down on the Empire. They don't care. They should just call them the Bespin mercenaries, or the Bespin bullies, or something like that. The, the Bespin <laughs> strike breakers. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think it's that time, guys, where we're going to head into our usual features. I don't know why I'm talking like Adam West. Uh, <laughs> we're going into our usual features, old chum, Steve. Um, but I think before that, we need to have a little Kenner commercial theater. Dum 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 dum. Kenner commercial theater dum, dum, presents dum, open endings. Dum, dum. Dum dum dum, dum dum dum. The eternal sunny backyard in suburban America is the stage for today's tale of political intrigue unresolved. From behind a rock, the mustachioed Bespin security guard spies a band of interlopers. A young boy with the voice of an angel tells no one in particular, It's the Bespin guard! Then, switching registers, he now takes on the stentorian voice of the Asiatic protector of Cloud City. Halt, stranger. The camera changes angle to show us the view from the guard. And what does he see? Two dangerous unknown men carrying guns and wearing the unseasonably heavy jackets, scarves, and gloves of Hoth. Why are they dressed for a blizzard in the middle of the idyllic Bespin backyard forest? Are they madmen? Their leader speaks. Take us to Lando Calrissian. Follow me. The two strangers follow the guard up the steep rock face. They seem to ignore the hand of the curly-headed blonde boy that is moving him. The boy wearing a butterfly collar and the expression of future failure on his sad, cherubic face. 
Nor do they note that the boy who moves them is painfully shy, trying to escape the camera's eye like the gazelle seeks to evade the maw of a hungry lioness. The disembodied voice of the commercial god informs us, From Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. A new player enters, eternally smiling with the rictus grin that seems to be hiding the chaos within. I'm Lando. Who is there? Lando, the administrator, both figuratively and literally looks down upon the supplicants at the base of the rock who seek aid. His body folds over from a push from the tow-headed boy, the boy whose future disillusionment will result in an early grave and a sparsely attended funeral. The shy one lifts Han's hand and makes his intention clear. Han Solo, on a mission with a rebel soldier. With great fear and doubt, the Baron Calrissian asks, what is your mission? With this close-up, the shy gazelle boy becomes bold. With unmasked hate and uncontrollable rage, he voices the rebel soldier who declares, We're fighting the Empire. Let's say it one more time, Steve, with more hate. <laughs> We're fighting the Empire. <laughs> Going eastward, I guess. That's good. Just one more time. That was good, but let's have it nice and clean. We're fighting the Empire. We're fighting the Empire. <laughs> okay. That's actually kind of a Harrison Ford. Okay, good. <clears throat> Han Solo, his more reasonable superior, comes to his aid and simply adds, And we need your help. And here's where the story ends. Like the middle part of a trilogy with no exposition or denouement, we know neither how we came to this point nor how it will play out. Will Lando grant his aid? Does the hateful rebel soldier slake his thirst for blood that boils within his very veins by murdering the three of them? Will Han change into something a bit more casual? Will the Bespin security guard find the inner peace that eludes him? We know not. The commercial god, the great storyteller, the disembodied voice in the sky only tells us one more thing. Han Solo, Rebel Soldier, Lando Calrissian, and Bespin Guard, each sold separately from Star Wars, the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back collection from Kenner. It's a Bespin Guard! Halt, strangers! Take us to Lando Calrissian! Follow me! From Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection, action figures each sold separately. I'm Lando, who's there? Han Solo on a mission with Rebel Soldier. What's your mission? We're fighting the Empire and we need your help. Han Solo, Rebel Soldier, Lando Calrissian, and Bespin Guard each sold separately from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back Collection. New from Kenner. <laughs> At the end, of the Bespin Guard's buddies all come in with like billy clubs and start beating everybody? <laughs> they do. That's what I mean. I'm I think not only are those the only words that a Bespin Guard has ever said. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, but yeah. it also goes to drive home my point that they're a mercenary force of paid thugs. I mean, look at the the dialogue they have him reading. Like, halt, stranger. Right. They're there. Actually, you know, when you really stop and think about it, I wonder if they're, like, the guards, because Lander used to be a a baron. Maybe they're, like, his royal, like, bodyguard kind yeah, of Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Like, it's like, you know, Saddam Hussein's guard, right? Yeah. And really, I mean, obviously I went a little too far in the description, but if you watch it, there's this whole thing where Lando is standing above them and looking down right before the suicidal boy uh, pushes him pushes him over. Um, but it really is worth checking out because, you know, I guess they didn't know how to present Lando. So there's, well, he's a baron. Yeah. And there's just no story. It's just, hey, guys, what's going on? 
okay, let's talk to each other. New from Kenner. Like, there's absolutely <laughs> no anything that happens in, in the story. I like how Han introduces him as a rebel soldier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has no name. But you have to wonder how stupid the rebel soldier feels. I mean, standing there in, like, his winter gear, <laughs> I would I would feel like an idiot. Yeah, well, even Han, you know, it's like, what are you going to do with your goggles there, Chief? Yeah, but, but Han at least, like, looks cool. He's got his, like, his blue jacket. I mean... Right. He's, he's got the better look. Now, speaking of rebel soldiers, Tommy, you mentioned last month that we forgot to mention a very important rebel soldier in the history of vintage collecting. What is that, Tommy? I do indeed, yes. Uh, around um, C3, well, actually, at C3, um, Brock and uh, Steve and Derek and I were taking around the rebel soldier uh, and getting his picture in front of things. <laughs> and just just cause like we were bored and wandering around. And uh, after after the celebration, he uh, he used to talk about it like I'm going to take it to the next celebration or I'm going to take it to see you know episode three when it comes out that kind of deal. So he uh, he took it home and used to send me you know pictures of it. And then uh, he finally. Uh, I think maybe four or five years ago, just sent it to me in the mail. It's like a, it's a Christmas gift kind of thing. So, so now I've con- sort of continued the, uh, the Rebel Soldiers travels. So it's been, uh, all over, all over the country now. It's been to like the, uh, the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It's been to, uh, the site of the sinking of the Titanic. It's been to, um, uh, I think 15 states prison. Uh, it went to Yellowstone and got his picture taken in front of a bunch of geysers. It's been to the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building. Do you take them to all these things or do you send it out to have them taken? No, I take it to all these things. Oh, okay. Cause um, I thought it was a thing of where you sent it to people and they took the picture and then sent it back no, to you. No, no. I, I originally planned to do that, but I've seen so many of those things and, and I mean... With the the figure disappearing, right? People just would like it, and the problem is that I like it. I mean, I went to the bottom of the Grand Canyon with it for God's sake. Right. Like, I don't want to lose it. He had his picture taken with George Lucas. You were actually there for that, if you remember. Oh, like, you yeah. Were like, that's... I shook George Lucas's hand, and I'm like, I got his picture with an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> has it had its picture taken with Muhammad Ali's comb? Uh. It has not. It has not. Uh, that might be next on the list. Yeah, or or the it Erie should. Canal, you know, or you could have it you in, in front of the Star, the Kenner Star Wars collections uh, entry in the National Toy Hall of Fame. I should. What, what's interesting is that people will actually not only recognize it, but recognize what you're doing with it. Like if you put it on something at Valley Forge, people who are walking by will be like, oh, it's a little Star Wars guy. I bet he's been everywhere. Kind of thing. <laughs> kind of thing. Sometimes they call him a stormtrooper or a right. sand trooper. Look at the sand trooper. Well, I, I got to tell you, Tommy, I always thought that that was a thing of where you picked people to send it to. So I remember hearing about that at C3 and thinking that I wasn't in the inner circle, so I'd never know. And so this entire time, as I've gotten to know you better and know everyone better, I've always been waiting. When is anyone going to offer to send me the dang Rebel Soldier? I've been so bitter these years, like almost 10 years now, I've been waiting to be offered the Rebel Soldier, now knowing it's never left, you know, the... No, it, it is attached. 
if it goes somewhere, it is literally attached to my belt loop by tight strips. You don't hate, only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. All right, so so what do you have, uh, Ron, as the... I don't even know what this is going to be, as far as... Um, if you noticed, I put up on the archive on... I'm looking at the page now. Early, well, mid-September, um, if there's an entry, if you go to What's New, called The Big-Ass okay. Ugly Sign. <laughs> okay. And uh, because I call it The Big-Ass Ugly Sign because uh, I, I've never known what else to call it, and it is a big-ass ugly sign, so... <laughs> Um, part of the, uh, the the unloveness of the item is that nobody knows what it was for. So uh, hopefully, maybe someone will listen to this and then go look at it and be able to tell me what uh, it was used for. It's kind of a, um, a big piece of wood, <laughs> it's like a couple of feet by well, maybe it's about twenty inches by twenty inches, something like that. Um, and it's stained. The wood is stained, and onto it is laminated a photograph of some uh, folks dressed up as Star Wars characters standing around a space vehicle. Um, and uh, are you looking at it, Sky? Or do you, are you yes. Not? Oh, yes. I'm looking at it. All of our listeners are, too. I'm already looking forward. This I look forward to putting in the enhanced version. <laughs> so um, I got it on eBay a few years ago when someone um, had... You know, a friend had mentioned it in an email about what what it was, and without even hesitating, <laughs> it was like 150 bucks or whatever. I'm like, I need to buy this thing, <laughs> so I just did the buy it now, <laughs> and I got it. Um, the person, now, now, Ron, did, did I ever tell you, Ron, that I looked at it like a good couple of days before you got it, and I was like thinking, this is pretty cool, but I don't know. And then someone bought it, I'm like, ah, that's gone forever. Why did I let that go? <laughs> It's so. just like one of those things where it's like, well, this is surely one of our kind. <laughs> You're never going to find another one of these. 150 bucks? Why not? You know? And um, presumably it's a, I would guess a store display because I can't imagine what else it would be for. I mean, I'm assuming these people ran some kind of company or, or business or service or something and had this hanging in there. Um, it says, <laughs> at the top, your source for the force. And um, you can read my description there, which is, kind of involved where I feel bad because I make fun of all these people in the picture but I'm not sure what else you're supposed to do but make fun of them because it's just so ridiculous I mean there's like clearly a man dressed as Princess Leia um, yep. there's a, a, several Jawas one of them has like a porn stash um, there's a man dressed <laughs> they're as both wearing sunglasses uh, <laughs> sunglasses right yeah there's like Darth Vader who looks like you know some really old Republican senator or something and I would vote for anyone in that. Like, if someone used that in their, you know, campaign photo, <laughs> yeah. they got me. It's like Darth McCain or somebody back there. And then there's C-3PO, who's just like in a knight's costume that's been spray-painted gold, and he's got a silver-painted head. And, and then there's a guy on the right, and he's just in the scaly sort of... Sigmund the sea monster kind of thing. I have no idea who he's supposed to be. And he's just like, it's like they ran out of Star Wars characters and so he just bought some random costume and was like, alright, you can be in the photo. He just kind of squats on the side. He's got a tail and he looks utterly miserable. Like, he looks like an Oompa Loompa that has like scabies or like, you know, something like that. And he's just like, who is this guy? Wait, do you know what he looks like, Ron? I'm just realizing, have you ever like taken a pine cone and tried to take off each of the little tiny 
parts of a pine cone. Like he looks like that. Like you just keep tearing off till you get to that like weird grimy rhino. So the pine cone man is going to be his name then. Yeah, pine yeah. cone man or pine cone guy. But it's just utterly baffling to look at it to let it make sense. There's a guy in like this A wing. Someone said it looked like a Buck Rogers vehicle. Maybe it is, but. It's some kind of space vehicle, and he—I guess he's Luke, and he's kind of making this like, "Yeah, baby," kind of like pointing his finger, or like doing a Fozzie thumbs up or something. Yeah, it's just utterly weird. But if anybody knows what this might have been used for, please let me know. The woman I bought it for, I said someone just brought it into their antique shop, and I was like, "You didn't think to ask what this was for?" <laughs> like, but she didn't. Um, I've heard people guess like a bank, a car dealership, hobby shop. All sorts of uh, guesses like oh, that. A hobby shop is a good, but why there be so many employees? I, I mean, know, honestly, a lot of you employees. Could, yeah, you you could spend so long thinking about this because it even seems like some of them are maybe like not like it could. It, it seems like maybe uh, like the stormtrooper isn't even really a guy in a costume, but just like a head put onto a... <laughs> like, it seems like maybe there's a little bit of cutting and pasting, and even yeah. the C-3PO doesn't look quite right, and the, the Darth Vader face almost looks like it's <laughs> just kind of pasted in know. there. I mean, and then what's Chewbacca the looks guy? pretty good. Then he's your guy, right? So, I mean, that's a pretty decent Chewbacca costume. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a Lon Chaney... Uh, <laughs> Wolfman. Wolfman yeah, mask. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, and I think like, they, they looked put, at the Macquarie. It's a Macquarie Chewbacca. Yeah, it's got right. the double bandolier straps. And the absolutely weirdest thing, though, even more weird than the little scaly pinecone man, is the guy inside R2D2. <laughs> there's an R2D2, yeah. and there's a man inside of him, and he's got this grin on his face, like he's like either the happiest man in the world, or he's just like a lunatic. <laughs> like, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Bob from Twin Peaks. Like, just the way he's, like, kind of peeking out and kind of creeping you out a little bit. It's so you know? weird. Like, could a man even fit in there? Like, he has to, like... And where did the R2-D2 come from? Did someone build that thing? Like, it's just... The whole thing is just... <laughs> so weird that it's almost for, disturbing. Did you ever see the icon for the steeplechase park in Coney Island? It was just like that, man. It was, like, this huge smile with, like, extra teeth. Okay. Yeah. Plus, it's not the only thing. The smile. He puts his silver just like randomly smeared on his forehead and nose. <laughs> like, I don't know if that like adds to his droidiness or something. But someone just smeared silver on him. Maybe he brought like maybe like the the silver used for C three PO. Someone just kind of put some on his face, but then they didn't have enough time before the photographer got there, and so they just stuck him in there before he had time to finish his makeup. But it's very weird. <laughs> yeah. It 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 really. I mean, I wouldn't say it's unloved. Uh. But no, it's it's, uh, it's a mystery because <laughs> it's unknown. Yeah. But uh, and I love the your oh, source for that it's in the the computer font. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which actually, I'm curious, what's the history of that font? How long has that font been used? Mm, I don't know. Oh, interesting. Tommy, I need an answer right now. <laughs> that one's by me. So wait, where was it chipped from? I think it was California. All right, so Steve, you're the, yeah. the chief of the California <laughs> club, so you got to get digging. pictures of these and just go all over the place. Someone out there any knows. Of the I mean, someone's got to like be like, oh yeah, that was, you know, me back in the day. I would, you know, yeah, do you really know. think anyone would admit that? Do you think anyone would admit <laughs> being in that photo? Yes. I am the Princess Leia who looks just like Jonathan Winters. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably right. No one would probably admit it, but still, I mean. If it was me and I worked in this company and like now I was older and I saw this, I would probably email the person who posted it and be like, Hey, yeah, that's you know, such and such. You know, I don't know. I can't imagine what 
I mean, a lot of work went into the photo. That's the thing. Like the costumes amazing, and the huh? backgrounds and the even the floors all decked out. I mean, yep. it took someone a lot of time to do that. When uh, when yeah. ep- when episode one came out, they, uh, the Raymore and Flanagan's, I think it was the the, the furniture store. They did uh, a very similar thing where they had actors being Qui Gon and Obi Wan showing up at the Raymore and Flanagan store, like trying to buy things and. He would use like his force powers to make all the lazy boys like go backwards, you know. And he'd use the the force uh, uh, Jedi mind trick to convince the woman to give him zero percent financing. You, know, you will give me zero percent financing. <laughs> it was awesome. And I always tried to tape it because it had that like this is the cheesiest, stupid, thing, stupidest thing I've ever seen. But I never could. Uh, a couple years ago, I actually called up the company and I'm like, "Do you have a copy of that ad?" And they're like, uh, "We don't, we don't think we do, but we're we're glad you enjoyed it." <laughs> <That's> an idiot. <laughs> well, someone should show up now at a celebration dressed as Pinecone Guy because I would be yeah. really happy. Yeah, that's super. Actually, you know, uh, I bought, yeah, I, I bought a mattress at Raymore and Flanagan. And there's this, uh, actually speaking of Asian, this somewhat elderly Asian woman who is, I think she kind of took a shine to me or something because she kept on like trying to lie down next to me while I was <laughs> trying the mattress out. And my, well, I guess soon-to-be ex-wife was there too. And it was kind of awkward because like this woman kept on like touching my arm and like asking me what I thought about it. It's it very uncomfortable. <laughs> so that was my source for the force. The random um, guy pain story time. Yeah. Well, that's this great thing about being a teacher is any story I tell that's a random Sky Pain story is the best moment of their day because I'm not trying to teach them some grammar point. So I, I had this inflated sense that people want to hear random stories from my life. <laughs> that was a pretty good one as random stories go. Yeah, yeah. They all, they all seem to be pretty good, but nothing is as good as your source for the force. Yeah. yeah. This is this honestly, like, it's going to really bother me if I'm 94 years old and on my deathbed and I'm just like... Damn, I never figured out what that thing was. <laughs> the hobby needs mysteries, guys. It needs mysteries. It does. It does. Oh, it awesome. like it should be a Facebook game. We should put it on Facebook. Like, somebody identifies somebody in this shot. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Crowdsource I mean, it. Post it on Reddit. That might be a good... You know, someone have a Reddit account? I don't... I don't. Mm-hmm. Put post it, uh, the link to the archive entry on there. Maybe someone will... It'll, that gets yeah. around pretty quick. Yeah, what is or you know, you could like submit it to like uh like cracks.com or any of those sites that have lists just being like when you make a list of the top 5 weirdest things that have to do with Star Wars, mm-hmm. check this out. You know, yeah. that might work. Um, cuz they're always looking for lists of the top 5 weirdest Star Wars things. Sorry to hear I, I stole it from <laughs> you. I didn't realize that uh you had your eye on it. But that, this hey, me what is to it? Pull the trigger. I, I, to go back to the Chris Gugulius maxim. Yes. This news you lose. Well, Ash, you snooze, you lose, and you're way behind right from the start. I've got a Pokemon, and you don't. Exactly, that's what I was going to say, but can you say it, please, with the Chris Trigoyas? Uh, I'm not sure accident? I can feel, uh, I feel pressured now, I'm not sure I'll be able to pull uh, it off. Snooze, you lose, man. <laughs> <laughs> you snooze, you lose, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, too bad, Chris, is, remind me to tell Chris, Steve, next time I'm yeah. on the line, but I had a student who's wearing a John Deere sweatshirt. And uh, Chris works for John Deere, and he 
on this long car ride, he oh, explained yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly what he was working on. And so I actually took time out of my class to explain to this guy who didn't, I mean, he couldn't have possibly cared less <laughs> about what Chris is working on. <laughs> but I was like, I've got a friend who works for John Deere. That was an interesting who, story, though. Like, he was going into all, like, really the, I've heard a lot of it before, but he was going into all the testing they're doing on that machine he's designing. And it was, like, pretty fascinating, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was fascinating to me. I don't know if it's fascinating to a 19 year old from Hilton, New York. <laughs> But uh, He's probably like, leave me alone, you hippie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, that's the unloved item, Steve. What is the what is the other side of that coin? <laughs> the other side that's got to be the nugget. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. From the archive. I mean, I don't think we can really, you know, match the uh, the big ass ugly sign. And uh, no. but uh, we don't we don't talk as much, at least in the Nugget segment, about rare production stuff. And with the best in card, the the pickings are are slim. But uh, <laughs> uh, we uh, the thing I chose this time was the uh, the special offer cloud car where. You can get a free Best Bin Guard, and you know you, you need obviously more than than one, as we discussed earlier for, for the for the cloud car. But uh, it's just it's it's just funny to see uh, this figure as something that would be a giveaway. But I guess you see all sorts of random figures that were were the free giveaways. But anyway, it's, it's nothing that that exciting, but it's a rare production toy. So and, and it fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, Hey, do, do you guys know, have, like, any uh, proof materials or unused sticker sheets ever been found for the special offer stuff? The Chromalins uh, turned up. Chromalins uh, Chromalins or uh, a lot of the special offer stickers. Oh. oh that's cool. I don't know if I've seen those. Uh, where, where, I mean, can we find pictures of those anywhere? Uh, Ray Moore and Flanagan, uh, Tommy Garvey? Uh, let me see if I have them. If I have them, I'll send them to you. Okay, because I I love that art. I mean, just the the actually looks kind of like the German flag. Um, not, yeah. Not the one with the you know weird S's on it, but the newer one um, with yellow, uh, red, and black. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's a nice piece, Steve. Did so? Is, do we know this is a harder of the special offer ones to find? I mean, as, as far as I can tell from uh, from the write up, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't collect the special offer stuff. I knew it was rare in general, but I guess. Seems to me like that one doesn't really pop up that much, but I mean, the ones I see the most of are the Star Wars era ones, like the Land mm-hmm. Speeder and the X Wing and, and, and Tie Fighter. But the Cloud Car, I mean, I'm not an expert on those special offers, but I don't see that one around too much. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if we're going to have you on uh, when we actually do the Cloud Car pilot. And I will say, Ron, that you did write the initial entry for the Twin Pod Cloud Car. Uh, oh, just just in general. Now, what's yeah. cool is you include a picture of the 1980 Alden's Christmas catalog, which I haven't sent you guys the link, so you won't see it. But it resolves the problem of what to do with not enough Bespin figures. So you have Luke in one cockpit, the Asian security guard in the other, Yoda, uh, Lando saying <laughs> hi to Luke, and R5-D4. <laughs> <laughs> What I was doing though is like I want I have like a lot of I have pretty much all those old catalogs. I went through everyone trying to find like the weirdest images. So if you go like on that archive toy section and look at some of the pictures, there's some really funny ones in there. There'll be like ones where like 
Wicket wearing like low grade headdress like, in the <laughs> pictures. And I just tried to find like the funniest looking stuff because some of those catalog photo- photographers, I don't think really knew what they were doing. They just kind of set those things up and <laughs> didn't know what accessories went with what. Sometimes the heads are turned backwards or whatever. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and I mean, as far as the the Holy Ghost of this podcast, as far as uh, writing and talking amusingly, do you remember anything that you said about uh, about the cloud car? Do you remember that you referred to the cloud car pilot? I don't remember speculating who drove it. <laughs> I always wondered that. Like, who was the one who had the steering wheel? Like, yeah. Did both guys fight over it? Yeah, your your word is... Uh, <laughs> let's see, and I'll quote you here. Why were the two pilots kept in separate isolated cockpits? Did they dislike each other? What happened when one pilot needed to borrow something from the other, like a pen or a piece of paper? And talk about a steering nightmare. I suppose it should come as no surprise that when in 1982, Kenner finally got around to releasing a pilot figure for the vehicle, it looked something like a really effeminate Power Ranger. That will be the name of the episode that we do on the Cloud Car Pilot. Yeah, it really it's the color scheme that makes him look effeminate. Yeah. It's like it's like this like pastel yellow and orange. Did you once talk to someone, Ron, who said that the the twin pod cloud car was just like the stupidest thing that they ever did? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean that's designed to show that people told, buy anything. Yeah, I've told people these stories about Kenner people sometimes, and sometimes they just look disappointed and don't want to hear them. I'm just like. They'll be like, oh, Star Wars is the greatest toy line of all time. Like, those toys are awesome. I'll be like, oh, they're really that awesome. I mean, we bought them because of the movies, you know. Everyone loved the movies, but the toys weren't that, I mean, amazing in a lot of ways. I mean, even the Kenner people, like, they were just like, by the time Empire rolled around, they were just, like, releasing any stupid crap that they could, you know. It's like the Rebel Transport, like, yeah, whatever. It's not like that's a great toy or anything. Or, like, the Twin Pod Cloud Car doesn't particularly do anything. It shows up in the movie for three seconds, and it's just like this kind of brown hunk of plastic. But <laughs> a lot of them had funny things to say about that. They'd just be, like, not really even having that great of an idea of what they were making. It was just kind of some random ship that didn't seem that fun to play with. But, yeah, it, it sounds like I remember... Someone mentioned the Twin Pod Cloud Glow in particular, that and the Rebel Transport. Right. Just they'll, they'll buy anything. I think he called it that pickle ship or something like that. <laughs> that thing that looked like a big pickle. Like, like, was that for Star Wars? I remember working on something like that. I was like, yeah, that was a Star Wars thing. Like, just the big pickle looking thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Uh, well, you also said that apparently you that was your first ever Star Wars ship. It was, yeah. I remember my mom, like, I mean, we didn't, we were, my parents said we're fairly middle class, but they, my mom would never buy me, like, the expensive things. It was always, like, wait until Christmas and then get, like, one of the lower range things. So, yeah, I remember getting the Twin Pod Clock. I think that was the first vehicle I ever got. Wow. And one of the few, you know, I remember getting Dagobah one year or two. But I think the Cloud Car was kind of like the sequel to the Landspeeder in some way. It was, like, the low price point, no electronics kind of vehicle. Also brown, right. <laughs> brown like <plant> <laughs> I mean, so it was cheap. You know? It wasn't that expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I, I I like it, Steve. I think you found a a good nugget, just a very simple, attainable nugget. Yeah. Um. Boy, I guess that just leaves us up to the market watch. This this episode's flown by, hasn't it, Steve? Yeah, it's it's going well. I think. Thank you. 
Yeah, you know, it's good because, uh, Tommy, I was tempted just to take this entire time to ask you legal questions about my pending case. So uh, <laughs> it's been a lot more interesting oh, than doing man. that. I hope that's going all right, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's going better than it was a week ago, but well, uh, a lot worse than it was going two months ago. But, I yeah. spent an entire semester just sitting in a Tampa courtroom watching people get divorced, like just... They wow. come in, just like dozen of them a day. So oh God! It's, it's just something is... you gotta, you gotta, you know, tough out. Yeah. Well, at least I only have to do it once in theory. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. Well, good luck with it. Yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. be good. Uh, do you guys want to hang around for the market watch? Sure. Uh, sure. All right. Let's see. All right. Although, actually, you know, we have to... I got a request from somebody who tends to email us and criticize us uh, in a loving way, saying that we should put back the warning for the market watch. Uh, what, what's, <laughs> the Jorgulius warning? The Jorgulius the warning, which will soon be turned into the third warning, because he said that we should put it back in. And Chris asked us to take it out, because he really like He actually likes it, and he, he has a lot of respect for the people that do it. But... Uh, I yeah. like the warning. It's pretty funny. Right. I like when he says too long. <laughs> yeah. All right. $1 Vlix. Market Watch. Hi, this is Chris Jorgulius. If you're like me, you think the Market Watch is too long. So, feel free to fast forward to the end of the segment at... Two hours, 14 minutes. I'll see you there. Okay, so Steve, uh, should we start with the general ESB report or the yeah, best guard? that works. We can start with, with Pete's uh, report on Empire. And man, he... What blew my mind about this is that pretty much that entire line is represented in, in sales within a really short period of time. It's just crazy to see that much out there in, in one time. Um, he, he goes through just about everything from carded figures to the, the 12-inch six-packs, micro, I mean, it's it's the whole thing. Um, so I don't know if there's, if you guys have a chance to look at it, there's some things that kind of stuck out to me, and I, I figured if we can go through and see if there's any that really kind of like ring a bell with you guys as being unusual or, or odd. And, okay. you know, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, why don't you just kind of drive and point things out, and then we'll okay. say something, and if we want to say something, we'll say something. All right. But if we want to pass uh, pens and papers to each other, then that's going to be difficult <laughs> while you're driving. Yes. <laughs> Unless you're dressed like an effeminate uh, Power Ranger. Yeah, that's right. I, I actually I am. I had to say it. Um, anyway, I mean, in terms of... Carded figures. <laughs> There's a. It's just weird to me that a, a black Bespin guard would sell for seven twenty, where a Yoda would only go for about five hundred. Barring that the crazy prices for those in general, just the difference. <laughs> wait, wait. A black Bespin guard sold for seven hundred and twenty dollars. An, an AFA eighty black Bespin guard. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and then a Yoda that was. Let's see. It was a. Uh, let's see where to go. It was an AFA. I think. I think eighty sold for or eighty five sold for four hundred ninety nine, which is just it's just crazy to see the difference between those two. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, so prices definitely have gone up. They keep going up. Yep. <laughs> I think the problem with the black Best Guard is was it a clear bubble? 
Yeah, that's it's a good point. You're right. That's those seems like, like a lot of those from figures. that period where a lot of them were yellow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh man, it's still crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a Han Bespin, and this thing is, is it's a gorgeous figure, and that one went for eleven seventy five. Oh, I mean that if eighty five. Yep. Yeah, so what Pete was trying to do, right, was just to get a, a sampling of everything across the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's even got the die-cast stuff. Um, I think he's got the, the cloud car. Uh, let's see, here we go. Yeah, so the Slave 1 went for 676. These are all these are all AFA-graded stuff. Uh, 676 bucks for a Slave 1, 132 for a cloud car, and 1700 <laughs> <Nice>. for... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then seventeen hundred for for the tie bomber, the the infamous tie bomber. But now that and, you, and, that actually seems low to me. That the tie bomber would only be seventeen hundred. You know, and those are uh, you know legitimately hard to find. I mean, you compare that to uh, to you know that you could only buy three Bespin guards for one tie bomber. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and then I guess I've never really seen a graded big micro set. There's a Hoth World that was AFA 85 that went for 750 bucks, and I, I just, man. <laughs> now, now what, what would those go for normally, Tommy? Back when I was, like, going to toy shows back in the 90s, they were, like, 50 bucks. Like, yeah, see that? You would you would <laughs> buy them to just open them, because, I mean, I was, I was like, 12 and right. the choice, it was literally between that and the Galoob, like, hot set. Like, they were the same price point at the time. Wow. That's just crazy. Yeah, oh, but then there's yeah. a ungraded Bespin World for 260 so that's yeah. a little bit more reasonable. Sort of down to earth, <laughs> if, you, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, I mean, then you know all these crazy mailers and figure sets, they got to be expensive. I and mean, there's a nine-pack for $13.50. Um, and then those, I love the six-packs. I know we've had those on a few times, but the, the red six-pack was $22.50. Uh, man, it's just, they're, they're really cool things, but it's just insane to see the, the cost still way up for, for this stuff. Yeah, now, wh- one thing that really caught my eye was the uh, Empire Strikes Back 21-back uh, Stormtrooper. Oh, yeah. Um, because those are, you know, I've been trying to put together my run of 21-backs for the past right. decade. Holy, yeah, I, mean, I just missed that. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and those really don't come up very often. And uh, this is AFA 80 and sold for 3500 um, which is a lot, but actually it's... I don't know. I mean, that's a really that's hard... Empire 21 back? Yeah, Empire 21 back. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, I paid like, I don't know, 300 for mine. It was missing the POP. So, I mean, that Price was probably... Prices are going crazy in general. Yeah. It's like, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's sweet, though. Oh, then a Revenge Sticker Stormtrooper sold for 160 which I'm actually starting to think that might be almost as rare as the 21 back, but... Yeah. That's just me. Man, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, but yeah, like I said, you, you gotta come check out the website they put together because there's just so much more to it than than what we're we're going through. It's, it's a lot of work. So yeah, kivecastmarketwatch.wordpress.com. Yeah, and I guess that's right. We we uh, we didn't do the Return of the Jedi. He's got the same thing for for Jedi that he put together uh, last month, and it's just it's insane. It's it's great. 
Yeah. We need to be as consistent <laughs> as him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, uh, let's just take a guess. Just thinking, have you guys not looked through all of them yet? Uh, no, I haven't looked through all of them. Okay, good. Then don't 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 scale anymore, but we're going to do a Price is Right. Okay? <laughs> all right. I, mean, I, I, haven't haven't yeah, I haven't collected production stories since, like, 1996. Good, then you'll be oh, good at it. <laughs> okay. What do you think an AFA-70, Empire Strikes Back, Italian Harbert Yoda sold for? Um, $4,320. Okay, I'm Tommy? Gonna say, I'm going to say six. All right. Uh, do you know, Steve? Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. Okay. $7,835. Damn, Yep. And then uh, let's do it again for a uh, unpainted uh, Luke Skywalker Hoth prototype. Uh, it doesn't say what kind. I assume that's... Boy, first that's... shot, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the first shot. I, I passed on one of those in 1997. I think it was $150. Okay, it's a little bit higher than that. Um, 1200 Okay, what do you uh, think, Tommy? I'm gonna guess. Um, I would. Twelve hundred is the first thing that comes to mind, but since Tommy already said that, I'm gonna say thirteen hundred. <laughs> nice, Ron. Fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> oh. Wow! Man, wow! Damn. There you go. That's a fun way of doing the market watch, Steve. I That's do. You know, I like that. I think uh, if we, especially if we got roundtable guests, it's the way to do it. Yeah, or, now, or one no, of us. Yeah, could choose the other the other side of it and do one. Yeah, that'd be good. Now let's see how they do with the Bestman security guard. All right, and don't forget, <laughs> if you guys win, you get uh, every single piece of uh, produced Kivecast merchandise ever. Um, well, you get to walk through the little room where you can buy stuff like in the Wheel of Fortune. Where you <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, Sh- the showcase showdown. Yeah, yeah like, I always want someone to buy the little Dalmatian statue. Over there, <laughs> you ran a Dalmatian statue. No one picks the Dalmatian statue. All right, so here we're going to go for uh, a thirty-one back debut back Asian security guard AFA eighty. Let's go, Ron. So I say that again. Thirty-one back. Thirty-one back Asian security guard AFA eighty. Five fifty. Okay, Tommy. Um, <laughs> I just looked at what it was. I was way off. <laughs> yeah, one seventy-five. Uh, very close. One ninety-five. You can't look now, Ron. Come on. <laughs> well, after I guessed, I looked. Yeah. I have no idea what these things sell for. <laughs> so yeah, uh, maybe we should stop that game now. But uh, an un- ungraded, beat-up thirty-one back went for fifty bucks. Now that's an Asian security guard. Okay, that, that sounds about. <laughs> that's what you, you get know, for the Fu Manchu man. I just was looking at the pictures now. The Asian security guard has a nice full beard. You know, like I don't <laughs> know why they skimped on the figure. I want a beard. You know, he should have had a Maidine style beard or something. Then, you know, the Fu Manchu mustache is a little bit much. Yeah, he's always just pleased with himself too. I mean, he has a lot of job satisfaction. You can tell, just like yeah, he does he's look very just like yeah. I'm the man. It's like, I, I absolutely broke that strike. I'm proud of myself, you know? How you doing, ladies? Free sample of me tonight. 
<laughs> oh, he does seem a little bit uh, insecure, you know, his, his hand placement, you know, kind of cover himself up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then, and then good, a 32 back for 50 bucks. Good. Now, this is some reasonable auctions. This is yeah, what, yeah. Now, this is what I call pod racing. Uh, 40 back. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the nice constant thread of episode one references See, throughout the I, I was saying we're, we're about to hit the limit, man. I've <laughs> got a few in there already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. An ungraded yellow bubble 47 back for 20 bucks. Hey, bargain. This is where we're finally getting to some reasonable figures. Oh, but then a 48 back clear bubble uh, AFA 80 for 200. So back yeah. to crazy town. And then ungraded for 40. Yep. Yep. Well, that's a lot of Bestman security guards on Yeah, hey, he's, he's out there. He's out there and unavailable. <laughs> yes. Uh, I wanted to mention that there was going to be an alien Bestman guard. Oh, right. Like behind the scenes after him. So it would have been kind of interesting to see how his figure sold versus the human figures. Because there's always like this idea that alien Star Wars figures sold better than like boy and human. So that could have really, really showed up. That's wow. funny. I remember. I remember seeing that because I used to collect those uh, that decipher card game or whatever, and that was before even seeing the movies in widescreen. And you they have all those kind of background characters as as cards. I'm like, wait a minute, is this just made up or was he actually there? You're right. There was like an alien looking Bespin guard. You're right. Wow. Um, now it seems to me as though uh, there is a AFA 90 loose Bespin security guard. Have you guys looked at that, or, or are you going to do a, a Price is Right for that one? Uh, we can do Price is Right. I haven't looked at it. All right. What do you think? An AFA 90 loose, not uncirculated, but just an AFA 90 Bespin security guard. AFA 90 Bespin security guard? Yep. Um, $478. <laughs> Okay. I'll say, I'll say, uh. It's loose, mind you. 150. Yeah, $100. So, so you could get two carded, uh, two carded Bestman security guards or one. Now, I actually see that they mention on here, it's actually referenced as a curved mustache. Oh, so man. I think there was a figure variation. Between the curved mustache and the non-curved mustache. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think there is. I mean, there's some that don't have the curve. And yeah. I think the one that's not curved has got kind of a kind of a Burt Reynoldsy thing going. I can see Reynolds in there. Yeah. yeah. So there's a Burt Reynolds security guard and <laughs> yeah. the Asian security oh, guard. See, I like. We're just one's white, the other's Asian. The answer yeah. is how both. can you tell it's Burt Reynolds and not Tom Selleck? Uh, Tom Selleck had a little shorter mustache. And, um, I actually I'm kind of going for a Frank Zappa mustache right now, so I've been thinking a lot about mustaches. Um, yeah, oh, that's funny. I never really noticed that. You should try to use the Muhammad Ali comb on your mustache. <laughs> yeah, um, it was really funny because when I bought it, I mean I got it for a really good deal, but there's this like kind of weird discoloration on the card. It's like kind of green. I'm like, what's up with this discoloration? And the dealer looked at it and just goes, "There's nothing green on here." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just thinking, well, I can't bargain with this man. <laughs> well, that was like the uh, the woman telling me that the painted 
Death Squad commander was just a regular figure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not white. But I mean, this was like staring at it. It's like, what's this green stuff? He's like, there's no green stuff. I'm like, well, I can't argue logic like that. <laughs> there is no conflict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. Good stuff. Well, awesome. Uh, awesome market watch. Yeah, thank you guys for keeping it up um, and keep going with it. It's it's always good. Well, there you go, everybody. You've wasted another couple hours with the cut. No, um, this has been <laughs> really, really awesome. So I want to thank the archivist. And uh, again, just throwing that out there, if you're one of the people who makes artwork for our show, if you want to uh, style up Tommy as a Marvel-style villain um, called the archivist and... Just I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'd have like a raskva on his chest or something. I, I don't know. Raskva. <laughs> also, we need we need some images of striking ugnots. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Strike yeah. strike breaking Bespin guards. Um, I, I'd see a, like a diorama out of that coming out. That's oh. <laughs> half of ugnots. They should join together with the Jawas, man. Unionize, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Man. but if he is that friend of labor, okay. Uh, <laughs> seriously, yeah, everyone go Scott as Jimmy Hoffa, Sky as Jack Nicholson as Jimmy Hoffa would be pretty good. Yeah, it's it's really underrated. You know, it's funny because he even talked about it. You know, he won the Oscar that year for A Few Good Men, but he always thought that he did a much better job in Hoffa. And it's really true. Like A Few Good Men, he's just you know, basically Al Pacino, you know, just yelling the whole time. But then Hoffa is this really nuanced performance of an enigmatic guy. And I just come on here for my movie news. Like, I don't think I'll ever forget, like, your Jurassic Park 3 homoerotic <laughs> undertones talk. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's severely affected people. Actually, I think that people don't even refer to it as Jurassic Park 3 anymore. They just call it that gay dinosaur movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's been the new name. Uh, Someone actually mentioned Jurassic Park 3 the other day, like in a conversation, and I just immediately flashed on the whole sky <laughs> interpretation. Like, I just didn't say anything. I'm just, like, smiling to myself. You like dinosaurs, Billy? <laughs> this is uh, the pubic bone of a velociraptor. <laughs> actually, actually, did you ever see that um, DC Comics where one of their characters could, like, shapeshift? And back in the 70s, like, some writer had this weird storyline where he has to try to, like, um, save the dinosaur. <laughs> so he basically... This is, like, a completely serious comic. He rapes a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> like, um, uh, it's not... The, the, the super team in the future. Awesome. Well, we will definitely have you guys on again. Um I think there's more stories to come from Ron, and I think there's more knowing a lot about the hobby from Tommy. And, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, for being the guys to join us as we end our sort of weird hiatus. All right, Sky, thanks for having us on, and good luck with all your uh, stuff going on. Yeah, awesome, yeah. cool. Talk soon, guys. Yeah, thanks. Right. Thanks, guys. Here at the Kivecast, we really do care. You can email us at kivecast at gmail.com twitter us at kivecast or join us up on our facebook page we really do care hey all right well it's feedback time steve yep that's it we're 
Well, wrapping it up here. We actually just talked to Mike, so we just placed that in there. I got to hear about the Rancho Obi-Wan thing. And yeah. uh, this has been just an awesome, awesome episode. I've really had a, a really great time. And, yeah, uh, so have I. Ah, it's good to talk to friends again. Um, yeah, I got to get you this. This is live feedback, believe it or not. Really? Um, a little Right before we started the show, I, I posted to Facebook that we're back in the in the studio again, and I posted a pick my, my snowball microphone, and we got some great comments already, but my favorite one uh, is Dwayne Smith's, and he says, you're going to like this, mowing the grass has just not been the same without you guys. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so no, it's uh, it's been good. The, the support's still there. So oh thank yeah, you. oh yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's nice, you know, because there's definitely a lot of options now as far yeah. as uh, as far as vintage, uh, well, as far as collecting podcasts go. I, I yeah, did actually yeah. read the subtitle to a podcast, and it was the only Star Wars collecting podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh no! I, I won't say who it was, but uh, it was it was pretty funny because it's just like that's not. I mean, strictly accurate. I mean, we weren't the second, much less you know, what the third or fourth or whatever that I can think of. But anyways, it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm thinking that we should maybe call ourselves the only podcast, even tangentially related to the Star Wars film franchise. Uh, <laughs> I think that should be on the back of our thing. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically we left with, with uh, feedback. There wasn't a ton of feedback, or at least I couldn't find it all. Um, I think that uh, because this is going to be a heroically long episode, we should yeah. start with uh, Martin Thurn. Okay. Um, who uh, who says that congratulations for keeping it under two hours. He's <laughs> saying it only took him five sittings <laughs> to get through it. Um well, actually, it's good. It's good. Uh, one thing he says, in the Rebel Soldier Sky Coup, you said Rebel Soldier lays. What is he laying? Eggs? Did you mean to say Rebel Soldier lies? And then he goes, and before you make fun of me for being a grammar Nazi, consider this. When you use bad grammar, you offend a few people. But when you use correct grammar, you offend no one. Now, I was never <laughs> going to call him a grammar Nazi. Uh, I completely agree that I should know how to use lies versus lays. Uh, I will use the defense that I am a, a French teacher, not an English teacher, so I often, my English grammar is not always <laughs> There you go. But no, I, I welcome uh, grammatical comments. Um, although you can offend people by using correct grammar. I actually have, like if you use whom correctly, uh, mm-hmm. which is of course is the object of an indirect uh, object, um, you actually can upset people if you use whom correctly. Um, and uh, and then again, he asked to do the the. If you're not interested in Market Watch, jump ahead. Um, and right. He said he'd be willing right. to record it. <clears throat> so I think what's our next month? Is our next month's episode Yoda? It's Yoda. Yeah. Well, I think that'd be a perfect time to have him on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be fun. And uh, let's see, what else do we uh, have in the in the feedback, uh, Steve? Um, let's see. I mean, well, as far as the, the Facebook page, it's still been active. I mean, I've, I've been keeping up with it, and people... We've got a lot more followers now, I guess. I, I don't know if, how you want to describe it exactly, but uh, I think we're up to, like, 340 likes or something like that. So that means there's a decent number of people that's at least somehow interacting with us. But, uh, no, it's 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 been good. I mean, on the forums, the last episode, there was some good stuff on there, too. Yeah, we, um, we, we finally... It's been months since we've heard from Canada's greatest know-it-all, 
This is why I'm proud to be Canadian. This season on Canada's Greatest Know-It-All... Yeah, that's right. Hold on, let me pull this up. Well, it's okay, you can... Because I'm now going to be put in the drop. Um, okay. He, he talks about your, your whole point where he talks about uh we've spotted the imperial walkers line yes um, yeah that's right that's right and uh, uh i i did edit out most of my commentary on your babysitter uh from last month i don't know <laughs> if you noticed that but uh yes i'm glad you did <laughs> yeah um <laughs> it's actually it's much worse just saying it like that <laughs> um but uh, uh so what he points out is that the original line in the novel is rogue leader incoming point zero three and that's the line he originally spoke, but all you can hear him say is "Rogue leader, ink." Right. Uh, before the <laughs> scene cuts away, the line was later dubbed in studio to say "Echo Station Three T Eight. We've spotted Imperial Walkers." Um, and so he says the actor playing the Rebel Soldier was not Norwegian; he no. was Bob Anderson. Yeah, that's right. It just blew my mind to to make that connection. It's just crazy Who was how the, wrong I, I was. <laughs> yeah, he was the swordsman for Darth Vader. Yeah, um, for those so he's a much bigger bigger player. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So that was definitely that's a, a perfect return to form by Candace Greatest yes. Mortal. And hopefully yes. he will he will uh, uh, comment on Debenhams and his research. About yeah, him. yeah. I love I love to hear his his uh, side of that story. And uh, as promised previously we are going to get to the ankus um yes we call them ankus hmm i don't know what, what sounds better to you jenkus jenkus are pretty good I, I think i like i think i like that too i did put some thought on this Steve. i was trying to cuz you know they're in kansas i was trying to think of like something to do with like barbecue haikus or something <laughs> you know for barbecue but i, I and doesn't come across to me as like a huge barbecue enthusiast i don't know um <laughs> but that's a compliment because i don't really like uh barbecue that much you like barbecue steve oh man you're disappointing me really <laughs> uh, it depends on the barbecue no i i'm i'm a sucker for it it's bad really real bad yeah so you don't yeah. come across as a barbecue enthusiast either oh man you have no idea there's a place down the street from us called baby blues i can't keep myself out of there well, there's lots of good rib places here in uh, in Rochester. I just never been to them. Got Sticky Lips. You got Dinosaur. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I like the dry rub stuff. Like, there's this crazy place out in the, in Texas. It's like an hour and a half outside of Austin, and mm-hmm. uh, you just go up there and you just like buy a slab of meat, and that's some of the best food I've ever eaten in my entire life. Oh, um, nice. Didn't have all that yucky sauce stuff on it. Yeah, see, I'm not, not so much ribs, but all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, we have brisket and all that. Anyway. <laughs> so thanks for the haiku. Moving on. Oh, no, I guess I should actually say it. You should probably okay. read it, yeah. So it's a Leia Hoth haiku. Snow boots. Quilted vest. Protect from Hoth's cold, but not. Wookiee's chilling howl. <laughs> oh, man. Evocative. Yes. I like it. I, I like the idea that you can't protect yourself from the howl. The, of course, uh... Kirshner, right? Kirshner invented that howl, right? That was his idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't so, in the yeah. script, yeah. Or at least that's how he talks about yeah. it on the commentary. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, uh, the next one is, here's one for Sky. So it's going to be hard for me to read one about myself. But here I go. <laughs> yes. It doesn't take much. 17 syllables plus Star Wars is Sky Koo. 
There you go. Which That's, is good. You can tell how much of an egomaniac I am that I've always misread that and just read it as being Star Wars is Sky Coup. <laughs> Meaning that the essence of all Star Wars is international phenomenon, <laughs> multimedia uh, platform, the whole thing. It's just all Skyku. That's essentially well, yeah, that's what it that's what it boils down to. Yeah. That, that when history looks back on Star Wars, it will be the thing that caused Skyku to come into existence. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much the the major. Oh, there was a wonderful John Peck design uh, drawing. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're not drawing, but a computer recreation of Brock as a baby. It's really creepy. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> it's really creepy because he, uh, he, he like, has a little baby haircut with, yeah. uh, with Brock's face. Yeah. <laughs> and Ron said a bunch of funny things because it has a five o'clock shadow. And, oh, uh, yeah. I think he said, uh, Brock's so tough, he has a five o'clock shadow by 10 a.m. <laughs> um, no, actually, no. We got some other comment, uh, comments too about the the Women's Day special. I think people really liked that we brought. Oh that yeah, yeah. And um, uh, let's see, who was it that was saying they were actually building one? Uh, I think that was Bobby. Um, yeah. So was Bobby Sharp, right? Yeah. Yep. And so Bobby Sharp said that he was uh, uh, he's in the process of making one. Um, or that he's going to, so we might have our our first winner. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was good feedback, and I think Steve, we're gonna get lots of good feedback on this episode. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a good one. Yeah, I think it's good because in these uh, roundtable, the the space chess roundtables, I put a lot of pressure on myself to figure out how to keep the conversation flowing. I don't think we need to. I think we just need to say, hey, you know, show up, tell some stories, and. You know, then we can move on. Um, no, I think it works just fine. Yeah, yeah. And um, Steve, this is going to be the first time we're going right. to do this. Uh, <laughs> we have to talk about our fantasy hockey team, Steve. <laughs> oh, Are boy. you aware of Man. the standings? <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm loading it. Right now, just to, to <laughs> check in. It is. Um, oh man, Steve, you are trouncing me. Steve is in the lead in the Fantasy Hockey League. Over me. In the Kivecast host category, (laughs) Steve is in first place. Now, Steve is in eighth place. By half a point. (laughs) Steve is in eighth place, and I am in ninth out of tenth place. My team (laughs) is so bad. I cannot believe how bad it is, Steve. My goaltender got arrested for kidnapping. What... What happens? What ha- every single Monday, one of my players gets a concussion. It's it's a nightmare. Oh man! Yeah, you got time to recover. You can come back. <laughs> I can, but uh yeah. So the Tepo Numinian Nubs are, <laughs> which I'm really proud of, of that name. That's are, a great name. Are I mean, I, Steve's I, I, team, the Landeskog Loose Leafs. Yes, um, and it's. I figured. I, I don't know if we talked about this, but when I drafted my team, because I literally know nothing about hockey, I know none of the players or anything, so I just went for the most interesting-sounding player names to fill all my positions and the most like difficult to pronounce. Yes. So Landeskog was, was one of one of them. That one's pretty tame compared to some of the others. And yeah. uh, the loose leaves—that's that's a reference to uh, that old Goofy short, uh, Hockey Homicide, which is one of my favorite old-time cartoons. Um, but yeah, 
<laughs> Somehow I'm, I'm not in last place, so I'll take that. You are doing much better than me, my friend. So only a half a point, only a half a point better. That's not much. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, but considering the fact that uh, I listen to a two-hour-long hockey podcast every day, you'd no, think I'd be <laughs> considerably better. <laughs> uh, it's all fun. Um, yes. So cool. So. As you know, the next thing you are going to hear from the podcast is going to be the Rick Springfield interview. Uh, and then we're going to have a December episode as well. And yeah, so that... Uh, that Yoda, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be... That should be a good one, man. I, we haven't done a big main character for a while, I feel like. Yeah, no, we've been languishing in, well, best been security guard land for quite some while. <laughs> hey, we really... Drain that for what we could, you know? We did. We did. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what would be funny is if I don't get a hold of Johan, and instead of it being just a Rick Springfield interview, it's a Rick Springfield interview and a Johan interview about... <laughs> I, about, I almost like that idea better. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Maybe I'll try to do that. Just like, a, uh, yeah, the, the, the most important interview in the history of the world, um, and that interview with a white Bespin security card collector. <laughs> Man, that's, that's gold. Yeah, that would be gold. All right, Steve. Well, it is 11.47 p.m. here, 50 feet from the uh, Erie Canal, and I have a half a home to drive home to, so uh, I'm going to be doing that, and uh, what are you doing tonight, Steve? Uh, I think it's uh, time to just relax and hopefully get Digby out. <laughs> oh, yeah, you had a job interview, yeah. right? Uh, I did, yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. Did it go well? I thought so. Um, it's for a permanent full-time Rather than part time, temporary. So we'll, we'll see. Is that the same place at the? It's it's at the academy, but a different different uh, branch. I mean, I'm, I work at the library, um, and this would be at the film archive. So it's it's where I kind of got my start there. So awesome. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, everyone out there, wish them good luck. Um, you know, I guess if if you know Anne wants to write a haiku about you getting the job, couldn't hurt. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll know soon. We'll uh, see. You'll know soon. Cool. Well, I will uh, talk to you later, Steve. And as yep. far as you space freaks go, wampa wampa. Adios. With its colorful Star Wars picture display bag and certificate.